sports yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends if you don't know them. So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron. And today I am joined by two Civ Pop writers, two brand new writers. I got Chris on the show. Hello. As well as Ian. Hello. It's a very special episode because we are representing three different countries today. Uh, Chris, obviously from London, right? London? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Close, though. That's an amazing start. (laughs) Yeah. Close enough, it's Europe. (laughs) Generally, Europe area. I swear I thought it was London. It's somewhere in the UK. (laughs) Yay, American schooling. (laughs) They're all the same. I mean, look, I am Ted Lasso when it comes to, like, knowing European things, so. Oh, it's amazing. How many countries are in this country? Three. Okay. Um... (laughs) Uh, and Chris joining us from the Netherlands. <laughs> um, yes, that is correct. Ian, do you care to correct me, or do you just want to leave that alone? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said Chris from London, but it's, yeah. it's Ian from so. Northampton, oh. uh, which is like the middle of England, so no, yeah, it's fine. Uh. <laughs> Play it back. <laughs> Ian's just not on the show today. It's fine. Yeah. We couldn't find him. To be fair, uh, I'm from the city of Leiden, which is fairly close pronunciation. That's close, yeah. Well... Take two. All right. We're doing it. <laughs> I'm done. I don't want to do this show anymore. This is this is the worst. I'm just, you know, never going to do that again. So we'll, we'll do <laughs> uh, Anyway, we write for SipPop.com, doing movie reviews, best ever challenges, other interesting movie-related articles. So you can always check out the website, SipPop.com, to keep up with all that stuff. But on the podcast today, we got two coming attractions, uh, a streaming original movie as well as a new MCU movie, which will be pretty exciting. Um and uh, then we'll a new like original character MCU movie. It's been a hot sex to have had one of those. Uh, then we'll give our thoughts on uh, two nostalgia picks this week: uh, Mousetrap and Hook. Um, man, that's what a sweet spot for nostalgia. For me. Uh, but we'll get into <laughs> that in the, into that a bit, and uh, and then we'll do a fantasy cast of Hook, um, and we'll wrap up with a spinoff as always. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to actually know our writers this week, as opposed to just make assumptions about them and call call them the wrong names. Um, Ian, we'll start with you. Uh, I, I need to know when did you realize that you had a passion for movies? Um, it was probably sometime in the womb. I don't know. It was it was pretty early on. I think my um, <laughs> just I've broken Aaron. Sorry. Um, I'm pretty sure my dad just plonked my my mum on the TV whenever a film was on and just said, "Listen," while I was um still gestating um so yeah it's pretty much been in my blood since since the very beginning i think my earliest movie memory is watching back to the future um and that is just that's a magical place to start your your movie career i think um just with all all of them yeah sure uh so then what's your favorite movie and why like what makes that movie beyond excellent yeah i've just buried the lead there it's back to the future (laughs) 
So my, I think my favourite movie in the in the moment always changes, but for an all timer, it is Back to the Future. So I watch it at least once a year as a as a birthday treat. Not like I'm not allowed to watch it the rest of the year, but <laughs> I specifically watch it on my birthday. Um, it's just a perfect movie. Um, it's a fantastically nonsensical story. It has the coolest time vehicle in the world and i'm a doctor who fan so i i love the the phone box i love the tardis but the delorean is just it's it's the coolest thing um and there's just so much to grab onto in that movie um just lovable characters great adventure mm-hmm. um oh man what's what's not to love about it it's I mean, it's the, just the pure joy movie. <laughs> i know I, w- I will die on this hill i will defend the third movie that was bold that was brave it is watchable <laughs> <laughs> Saying it is watchable is not defending it. <laughs> no, that is the most damning bit of praise you can have. Well, yeah, it's if you have your eyes open, it is a movie that will happen. Um, the time train, the time train is fantastic. Sure, sure, I'll sure I'll just stop there because it look in, yep. in in admittance, it's been probably ten years since I've seen Back to the Future. Part That's two. fair. So, uh, uh, Chris, what about you? Like, when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? I don't even know if I have like a specific moment that I can point to where I was like, oh, this is like something special. It's probably mostly just watching along with my parents when I was young, mm. like basically just watching whatever they were watching. And I don't really know what the moment was where it triggered for me that, oh, this is a, this is a thing I like. Um, and my earliest memory of a movie that I remember seeing was not a positive one at all. So <laughs> oh, no. no, I was... Uh, yeah, so I'd gone to bed. I was about maybe eight years old or something. And I had to get up to go to the bathroom at night. So I went to the bathroom. Everything was fine. Went back, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw that my mom was watching a movie on television. So just out of the corner of my eye, the thing I saw was the thing with oh, no. the, the, the defibrillator scene where the man's hands go right through the other dude's chest. And like... <laughs> So eight-year-old me did not have a good time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, ever since, like, I haven't been able to watch the thing uh, to actually just sit down and watch it to see if it's a good movie or not. I trust that it is. I hear that it is. Oh, it is. <laughs> that is a resounding yes, it is. Definitely yeah. not for the under probably 15s, but let probably alone not, no. Yeah. I will be checking it out for the first time ever this October. Oh, awesome. Well, it's a great watch. Uh, yeah, uh, tell me what, the, what that's like. <laughs> Uh, it's on the podcast. It'll be on when Robert and I do our goats. That's uh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. So then, uh, Chris, what's your favorite movie? And again, like I'm, you know, title is is great, but like, what makes that movie beyond excellent? Um, I mean, to me, everything that I love about movies is like things that probably would never be able to happen, and if they did, like, what would be the implications of that? Mm. So, my favorite movie of all time is Arrival. Oh, awesome. That is good choice. very good. That's way more uh, profound than my pick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do have, like, favorites for things that just put me in a happy place, but that, yeah, yeah. to me, just exemplifies what a movie can be. Um, so clever, isn't it? So, yeah. so clever. It's one of those... And even when you... Like, sixth favorite of all time or something like that. And it's just... It blows me away every time I get to the end of that. It's yeah. remarkable. Like, it has the thing that I really like that, like, Gone Baby Gone has, where at mm-hmm. the end you're like, what would I do in that situation? But it has that added layer... Of okay, well, if you make that different choice, what implications does that even have for like the rest of the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it well, uses just... time travel as a tool rather than a 
than a gimmick. It doesn't lean into that. Well, it's not even time travel, but the way that the story yeah. is framed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just Plus, it's like favorite movie of all time. So you're just hitting all the home runs for me. Nice. Yeah. Plus, it's also got the thing that I really appreciate about a movie is that the conflict is handled by smart people doing their jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not Jason Statham, bless him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he does have a job that he does very well. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's just how, okay. How do we deal with this on an intellectual level? And yeah. the fact that it is that it all revolves around we are like, talking, talking about, to people. We are talking about Olympic diver. Jason Statham here. Yes, my apologies. <laughs> okay. yeah. I mean, he's Fair not enough. Bruce Willis. He's not going to sort out any asteroids for us, is he? <laughs> Unless it involves diving, and for some reason we need, you know, an action star. Yeah. Deep impact. It's it's a, it's a miracle that he wasn't cast in Bumblebee, to be honest. Oh, I, I, to this day, I think he is. I thought I thought he was. <laughs> is he not in any of the Transformer movies? No, it's the Transporter, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. He's going to be when they eventually do put it together with Fast and Furious, though. Oh, there's going to be all sorts of crossovers, isn't it? Yeah, the, absolutely. The Transporter, Transformers, too fast, too stupendous. <laughs> the <Awesome>. revival. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Revival also just has like the best use of music in movies. Um, I mean, that on the nature of daylight is just perfectly placed, um, and it's just a shame that that took up enough of the runtime that the score didn't qualify for an Academy Award. So, oh. oof, um, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So then, uh, you both were part of the new waves of writers, and you know, I know this question is stated: How did you get involved in writing for SipPop.com? And the answer is. I saw a tweet and was like, "Hey, I want to do that." But like, <laughs> but like, maybe, like, what's that thing that made you pull the trigger to be like, "Hey, I think I, I you know, I'm actually gonna like start doing it" because you know we talk about you know on on Sif Pop Weekly and on this and all that and how like you know we're we're always just open to writers. So like, uh, what's that thing that kind of made you pull that trigger this time? Um, whoever wants to go first, I don't care. Uh, well, I think I was I was in a little bit before that tweet actually went out because uh, the way I got in was I contacted uh, Joseph on. Um, who was on Sifpop writing staff because um, he mentioned it here and there on on discords for other channels that some people in this conversation may be involved with, and um, yeah, I figured if he can do that, I can do that. You 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 were I think right about <laughs> that, that. Sounded mildly insulting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's used to it. He'll he'll take that in stride, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, that you know, you yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I didn't realize. You, I think you came in like just before that big wave. So yeah, 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 for sure. Cool. So, um, yeah, just if Joseph can do it, you can do it too, I guess. You know, Joseph that now has a master's degree. So, um, I mean, I'm not going after a master's degree, so I'm not saying that. <laughs> but if you wanted to, you yeah, absolutely if, if can. If I wanted yeah. to, sure. Because if he can do it, you definitely can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just writing blurbs about movies. That's like, you don't need a master's degree to do that, surely. Joseph oh, makes I feel a like comment. mine's completely wasted. Joseph makes a comment every week in the Slack channel. I can't wait to hear what he says this week. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, what about you? Um, so I I listen to the Sift Pop podcast. Podcast? Sift Pop <laughs> podcast. I speak and write words for a living. Um, for like six, five or six years, like a long time. Mm-hmm. Or not, not quite since the beginning, but probably a few years after that. Um, so yeah, then kind of got into joined the Cinema Sins universe. Um, got to know Aaron uh, Dicer a lot more through through that, and then at a, just about the same time after guesting on Sif Pop, saw the ad 
advert as such come out on Twitter. And I thought, yeah, absolutely. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance to get like as many as many opportunities to speak your voice as possible, yeah. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of it was more it's it's a great way to Without sounding pretentious, hone the craft because you've got to stick to a word limit. You've got to, mm-hmm. uh, it's just good practice writing, both entertainingly and methodically about movies. So it's just, if nothing else, it's good practice. So it's, it's a good, good bit of fun. Yeah. And like, you know, like that's, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're going for is people that uh, uh, want. I mean, kind of like you said, practice, um, you know, and, and there are people that are a little bit more refined than others and, you know, everybody gets an equal chance to have their voice. And so, yeah, I guess if you listening at home or wanting to write, but you like, I'm not good enough to write, like, look, if Frank's good enough to write, then you're good enough to write. So, um, we'll just throw every, all the hip hop writers under the bus this episode. That's fine. Hey, if Aaron um, Dyser can do it, then damn it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> just go for the top tier. I'm not sure about that. Cause there's lots of things he can do that I can't. Include remember where Ian's from and call Ian by the right name. Um, oh, he hasn't got a clue where I'm from. <laughs> he doesn't even know I'm English. Hey, look, it, you it think I'm from worse. New Hampshire? <laughs> look, it could be worse. I could have called you the Irishman. So, oh, could you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you do not want my Irish accent anywhere near this show? That you'll have to edit that out. I mean, you have a foreign accent and you know red hair. So, like, I mean, <laughs> oh, you did not just say I have red hair. Do you are you not? part of the running? Are you part of the running joke? No, I don't know what you're oh talking about. Maybe it's your lighting, I don't know. If you have the ability to, to message Aaron Dicer right now, you tell him <laughs> that you've just offended me by saying I have red hair. Him and Danae Hughes are both convinced I have red hair. The The intelligent people that work for Cinema Sins know that I have brown hair. Um, and <laughs> it's not, the beard is red, but the, look, the hair is brown. Well... I can't maybe, believe it. maybe I'm it's your lighting. Maybe it's your lighting. I don't know. <laughs> this is amazing. This is so good. I, I guess I'm in on the running joke now, but <laughs> Yeah, I thought he prompted you, honestly. No. Like, there's no way that comes up in the in the, the only show we've done Look, together. You don't know that. <laughs> Alright, well let's move on. <laughs> that seems like a good transition point. <laughs> Yeah, that's an excellent segue before a third of the podcast leaves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Good luck with this, guys. I'm out. <laughs> so I thought this would be an interesting question, but maybe not quite enough to justify the B plot. Uh, I just want to know, like, what does award seasons look like for you guys? Like, I know, like, there's a million different awards, and I think in in America we kind of hold the uh, the Oscars as kind of the prestigious ones. Uh, but like understanding like there are a ton of different organizations uh, to the different stuff, but also like in general, like I think there is a healthy balance of where there's maybe a culture that just doesn't care about awards. And like, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's how it is. Uh, or maybe people just don't take it quite so seriously. So um, yeah, Chris, why don't you kick us off? Like how do, how do things go in the Netherlands? Like, is it Oscars? Is it something else? Is it nobody cares? Um, I mean, the Oscars are aired every year, but yeah, due to the nature of time zones, usually like the actual show of the Oscars starts at maybe like two or three a.m. in the morning. So there is a certain subset of like cinephiles that will stay up and watch that whole stretch of like, is it like a four-hour show these days? Oh, it's um, longer than that. Yeah, so that's not not a thing that a lot of people do get up to. 
Um, and then there's also the thing, like, I tried, uh, like you do the Spaskers every year, I tried to um, be a part of that this year, and just that really made it clear, like, what the distribution schedule is like for European nations when I'm looking at this list of movies that have gotten nominated and... Yeah, you've seen maybe a quarter of these films because three quarters of them are not released in in the Netherlands by that point. Yeah, that makes it really difficult to care about. Sure. It's an intimidating list of films, even if they are all released. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So is there like, is, is still the Oscars kind of the prestigious one? Does people just like look up articles about what won last year? Like, is there is there a different subset or is it, you know, just like... You know, like I know, like um, I, don't, I know, Golden Globes are also kind of big here, but we try not—at least I try not to give any credit to them for history of you know, king bribes and things like that. Um, right. Uh, yeah, the Oscars are still like a big news story every year. There will be mention of like which movies won big and things of that nature, and then there is usually that addendum of, "Oh, you can watch this movie two months from now." You know, that's <laughs> that's kind of the way it goes. Um, so, for, yeah, for people who do really care about movie awards, I think that is still the big one. Uh, it is just hamstrung by just the simple fact of distribution being so slow uh, yeah. this side of the world. For sure. And Ian, uh, as the UK representative today, what does uh, what does it look like over there? Um, yeah, the Oscars is the big one. We don't, by any means, go to... Um, there's not as big a deal about who's presenting and watching it and being there for it. Like I know there's a massive debate every year whether there's going to be a host, who it's going to be, the controversy. We're just like, ha, the Oscars are on. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. That's as far word. as it gets. Um, is, does, is, does Ricky Gervais do the BAFTAs or the Golden Globes? Yeah, it is the Globes, right? I don't know. I haven't seen the Globes in a while. Yeah, well, the Golden Globes are trash anyway. But yeah, the, that's why he does them, I think. So he, yeah, that's, that's, that's the one that he trashes every time he's up there. Yeah, it? rightfully so. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So the Baftas are yeah, they're probably the, the obviously the the bigger one over here, and they're quite fun to watch. But the Oscars has the much the much bigger spe- spectacle. Um, but I don't think there's been a year where I've seen every film. So I'm really looking forward to. Um, to this year where it's a little bit more back to normal, but not quite as intimidating as a regular year. So there'll be more than the chaos of last year, but not quite as much as next year. So it's like a little, hey, silver linings. Yeah, there was a pandemic, but at least the Oscars is more manageable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I I thought it was interesting. You know, whenever whenever Robert and I talk about the GOATs, I try to mention the BAFTAs, because I think, you know, there is some uh, play with like how they're international, how they are, you know, Based out of British or uh, Britain, but it's uh, mm. um, you know Britain and American film and television awards. So like, yeah, you know they do include Hollywood stuff. And, uh, but I think it's you know recognizable, and I just I didn't know like is there an award I should be adding? You know, um, but cool. I don't think so. There's not another one that um, that springs to mind. There's the so we have the um, we used to have the BFI, the British Film Institute, mm. and it's still around in some form, but it got horrifically defunded um oh, a few years back um it's just yeah so it's it's not quite what it what it used to be yeah. i mean there is an award show for like the dutch film industry but that doesn't nobody any good to watch that so <laughs> yeah that's fair, that's fair. um <clears throat> cool so uh one more question before we get moving on to the this week's stuff and i i, I know that with the 20 minutes we've started talking, this is just primed to be a perfect question. What is one thing you guys wish every American knew about? 
Uh, just where I lived, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we could just start from that and build, just get my name right and where I live. I deserve that. <laughs> um, <laughs> on a serious note, um, the I think, and this is something that's definitely improving over the years, and. If you're a if you're a massive movie nerd, it doesn't really apply to you. But for the general public, we'll say there's more than Hollywood. Mm. So there are there is an intimidating amount of content out there. There's great stuff in England. Oh, yeah. Like South Korea is really coming up with the last few years and the films that have have come out and are being noticed in the states. Um, the, um, the spotlight is on America for for entertainment and things like that. But the, the more chances you have to promote the stuff that's around the world like even australia or hey canada it everything is so america focused it's great to see the, the variety of content that's coming out from around the world as well so i think that's something i'd want to everyone to keep their minds open about sure other than where i live <laughs> what about you chris what's that one thing that you just wish every american um, or knew about like here's this amazing food that nobody knows about except for oh wow um I mean, it, it would be nice if, if Americans understood that um, just because I'm Dutch doesn't mean I wear wooden shoes. I don't live in a windmill. <laughs> Wait, I don't. What? I don't believe you because I can't see your feet. <laughs> yeah, show us your feet right now. Yeah, I'm. This no, that's that's no, no. that's gonna end up in OnlyFans. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk it. But yeah, <laughs> things I wish Americans knew about. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I suppose you could just stretch the point Ian made about like content and towards everything like um and even when when I when I shop here and I see like the uh the the whole section of like the international market like yep. you know all of that is sort of like a westernized version of all of that so yeah I yeah. mean in, in that sense like western culture in general is fairly similar across the board especially in like the age of pop culture taking over everything so I don't know if there's like huge lines of things that Americans would just miss because anything that has some inherent cultural value probably does make its way there. Um, and definitely when it comes to, like, foods, I know that there's a lot of, like, people who swear by certain Dutch snacks that I know Americans are aware of by now. So I don't necessarily know that there's anything that that, that Americans just don't know about that they should know. Right. I think we don't give people enough credit on being, like, worldly these days. Because everything is accessible anyway. Right. That's true. Cool. Good answers. Really appreciate that. Uh, you guys ready to talk about some movies coming out this week? Oh, yes, yeah. Sir. All right, let's start off with Cinderella, because I'm just got a hunch that we're probably a little bit more anxious to talk about Shang-Chi, so we'll we'll save off mm. a little bit longer. Uh, Cinderella, this is a movie, uh, at least, I'm not sure, I didn't research how these are going to be released in you know other parts of the world, but this is an Amazon original movie, so it typically will be like... I think it'll theaters. be the same here, yes. Okay. Uh, I know Prime is one of those that's a little bit more consistent than, you know, like Netflix, HBO. Um. Netflix baffles me with how how much it varies from just even from here to Ireland. It varies with what what, what we have. Um, and the HBO Max, you can't even get in England at the minute. Right. It won't even, unless you have an American credit card, you just can't, you can't use it. I'll yeah. look you up. You can't get it here at all, even if you do have a credit card. I mean, with a VPN, you can, but... I, yes, yeah, I correct. guess. Yeah, 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 I guess. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, yeah, so like I, I know this is a uh, so this typically I think will be out in theaters, typically like your indie ones for a couple weeks, while it's also on Prime Video uh, for free. Um, this is a, a modern movie musical with a bold take on the classic fairy tale. Uh, our ambitious heroine has big dreams uh, with the help of, of her fab grandmother. Wow, um, <laughs> she she perseveres. <laughs> To make them come true. Like I, I was talking to Robert last week. I always just copy these from IMDb and I never read them because then you get that honest reaction, like the help of her. Oh, I love it. That's such a yeah, such a good what way a to do it. Awful. <laughs> I really hope that was just a typo, like meant to be fairy. You know, but anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is uh, coming from Kate Cannon, writer director, starring Camila Cabello, Billy Porter, and Dina Menzel, uh, Pierce Bronson got a role in their Mini Driver. Uh, James Corden. Boo. Um, Sorry. Boo. No. No. Yeah, and I, I thought at one point that this was supposed to have John Mulaney in it, but maybe that was a different Cinderella because um, there seems to be one of these every other year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Chris, let's start with you. On the on our anticipation level, says, uh, would you go see uh, like just in terms of excitement, not necessarily in terms of practicality? Would, do you think you'd go see this um, opening weekend? Uh, and again, imagining this is kind of just a theatrical exclusive and there's no COVID in the world and all that. Um, would you be interested in seeing this opening weekend? Wait for a discount night. Wait till you can rent it at home. Uh, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Or are you just not interested in seeing it? Well, my first uh, thought when when this was even in the show notes was like, didn't they just do that? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not six years ago. And, yeah. And I haven't seen that yet. So I'm probably <laughs> on the side of I'll never watch this. Because that will take, yeah, that will take priority probably. If I ever do go to see a Cinderella I, movie, I I'll probably watch the Disney remake first. I guess. Yeah, I have seen that one. It's fine. I mean, it's it's Kenneth Branagh kind of indulging in himself right. and Lily James. It's Lily James, James, right? Lily yeah. James. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, what about you, Ian? Where do you fall on that scale? So I think Marvel are being really smart by coming out with some original films. Um, <laughs> like I think Shang Chi is just going to be really, really good. To be honest. Um, <laughs> I could not be less interested, honestly. Um, Yeah, we just did this. Obviously, Disney are going through this spate of releasing the classics um, in live action. Um, The animated classics in live action, unless it's Lion King, then they're just not bothering with the live action element. Um, Yeah, I just don't... I don't know who's asking for this movie other than Camille Cabello, to be honest. Um, Like, great for her. Nice one, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just... I, I don't think we're obviously the target audience, to be completely honest. This is definitely yeah, yeah. the Frozen audience that, that wants this. Um, but yeah, it's not one that I'm going to be going out to watch. Yeah. But again, that that's not in, it's not entirely shocking. Um, could be great. It always could be. Any movie has the chance of being great, but I'm not feeling it from this. Um, and it is genuinely Fab G. That is the name of the fairy godmother oh in this. God. I've just checked out the IMDb. It is wow. Fab G. Well, I have just changed Fab, cool. my ranking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, the only thing is that it is a musical, and that's different somehow. But yeah. I'm just yeah. immediately even more checked out. I'm not the musicals man. Yeah, I think. I mean, um, me either. But at least it's like if you're going to do something that's been done however many times, at least like do something new with it. I guess. Yeah. Right, as opposed to you know like the five year old you know the Kenneth Branagh Lily James one was not necessarily anything new. Uh, no. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to be a little higher than you guys. I'm going to go streaming service, uh, and for the for the reason that, like, look, I know my wife's probably going to want to see this, and that's fine. And I'll probably tell her, let me know if it's worth seeing, and yeah, you know, we can watch it together one day. 
but like I think there is like a lot of um, a lot of things that do intrigue me about this. So first of all, Kay Cannon, um, director of Blockers, which is a movie I admittedly hated, uh, but she didn't write on it, so there's that. Uh, but she wrote the three Pitch Perfect movies, which at least there's one good movie in there. Um, I yeah, think two and no, three agreed. are fine. Um, yeah, uh, they're not great, but they're not bad. Uh, wrote on a uh, New Girl and Thirty Rock, so like she's got a pretty impressive track record. Um, so hmm. like that it does kind of like make me want to go. And I uh, I like Camila yeah. Cabello's voice, and obviously Indina Menzel has a great voice. Billy Porter, um, Pier- I mean Pierce Bronson seems interesting here um <laughs> uh mini driver yeah all choice uh and then the james corden being in a modern musical thing just he hasn't had a good track record but <laughs> uh, what's your opinions on into the woods i haven't seen it good I, seen don't. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do my best not to see any james corden film to be honest so i have i have a friend that um loves it to death and i was like i'm gonna do you a solid and i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it and i didn't do it for me um hmm. The rest of this cast has got some really big people from England. So James Acaster is a stand-up comedian. Oh. Um, Romish Ranganathan is a stand-up oh. comedian over here. And those two are top-tier, high-caliber, really, really super funny guys that are on the top of their game at the minute. So mm-hmm. that really interest, interests me. But I am guessing they are in for about seven and a half seconds. And that is not <laughs> worth the hour and 43-minute runtime for me. Can you see who they're playing or... Yeah, so um, Ramesh is playing um, <laughs> Footman, and James Acaster is also playing Footman. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah. so that, that sounds like a third draft of the script where they were like, we need some characters to make some jokes. And you know what it would have been? It would have been, hey, James Corden, do you know some people that would be all right to do a couple lines? And he went, yeah, of course, I'll call my buddies. Um, so they're actually mouse footmen, so I don't think they're even in the film. I think they're just voicing oh, some CGI mice, which is a probably. phenomenal waste of their talents. I um, will guarantee you they are cutaway characters inserted after the fact to make it funny. Oh, definitely, yeah. They probably did a test screening and thought, oh, no one's laughed. <laughs> James, do you know some funny people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, I think we hit it. And I, I, looking now, I don't I don't recognize Rem- uh, Remish, Ramish? Uh, Rummish, Rummish, um, uh, but I do recognize at least by the picture James A. Caster, but I don't, I don't know from where. Um, he had a it, Netflix special last year. That's probably. I, I don't think I saw it, but I scrolled by it at least. So um, yeah, uh, I, I think that I think there's enough promise here that kind of makes me be like, I'm mildly interested, but like it's it's this story that we've seen however many times now, and I'm pretty sure this is officially like not in uh copyright anymore so like i don't think this is Disney oh it's in made. the public domain yeah. yeah so like because it's in the public domain that's the reason why i think cinderella with lily james was kind of disney's last push at making money off of it and so i feel yeah. like we're just gonna get a cinderella movie every couple of years because it's gonna make money it's like robin hood isn't it that you, yeah. you're just gonna get one of those every so often because you don't a have to come up with an original idea and b pay for someone else's so it's right in the sweet spot man we are some cynical men aren't we <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, yeah this doesn't even mean that disney has to stop making cinderella movies they can just keep on doing what they've been doing as they are listening, well. and they will they yeah. will take that as tacit approval. So yeah, it's don't. just that they don't own like exclusive rights to it. But yeah, mm-hmm. if, if they right. if they smell money, they will make another one. Oh, for sure. sure. Yeah, so I th- I think it's interesting that kind of, it, it feels like 
we're probably all like have the same opinion, which is I don't know that I'll ever see this, but like there is some intrigue here. Um, this isn't just oh, there's another Cinderella movie, and like because when I saw it on the schedule, I wasn't even going to talk about it. I was just going to leave it off. But then it was like, okay, hold on, like with these people behind it, these people in it, like yeah, and a musical twist, like this is worth at least kind of exploring. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it'll have an audience. It's just that mm. we are not that audience. Right. Very true. Yeah. And it, no, it's got a good caliber of singer as well. Um, yeah, a writer that surprised me, actually. That's a bit more bit more credits than, than I expected. Um, yeah, I really did like the first Pitch Perfect. That was really good. Yeah. And I think the second two were fine. Yeah, perfectly yeah. fine. Yeah. I mean, nowhere near as caliber as the first one, but there's some charm there. Um, cool. Uh, I, I, I'm all of the thoughts. You guys ready to talk about Shang-Chi or is there any yes. last thoughts on Cinderella? Yes, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, uh, if like, only we would ever get last thoughts on Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going. I was thinking, like, the only last thought is like Dicer did write a really interesting Cinderella piece that I tweeted out for this hip hop um, Twitter mm. like a couple of months ago because it's the most viewed thing on hiphop.com and like it's really worth your time. It's about the Lily James one. So, mm-hmm. um, if you do wind up checking that film out, check out that article, or honestly, even just check out that article. Uh, it's really good stuff there. Instead of watching the film, that would be better, more a better use of your time. I would say so, yeah. Yep, uh, and it might even make you want to watch the film. So, uh, don't do that to me. <laughs> I said, yeah, my- don't you make me want to watch a film? <laughs> yeah. Don't you have enough to do? Shut up, Cinemasins writer. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. It was right there. I mean, one one day I might watch a film for pleasure, but it is not looking <laughs> like it's any time this year. <laughs> Well, what about Shang Chi? Is that one you're going to watch for pleasure? Same scale. Oh, no, it will weekend. be absolutely. Yes, no, that, that's a fair point. Opening weekend, <laughs> discount night, uh, rent at home, streaming service you already pay for. Not interested. Opening night, if I can, yeah. yeah. If, if the schedule lines up, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, really excited for this. Um, so I went to see Reminiscence last mm-hmm. week, and this trailer was on was in front of that. Mm-hmm. Um, trailer stunning, just hit brilliant. Everyone's talking about the Eternals trailer, but this does it for me way 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 more and just as the trailer ramped there was a guy sat behind me um and i was like pumped i'm like come on let's skip this movie i want to go straight to this and he just says well that was s word i was like oh and it just made me think like is that the is that what the general kind of joe and jane public think of this because it isn't iron man it isn't captain america it isn't something they've heard of um it's a cast that they're not going to be necessarily familiar with. Probably Michelle Yeoh is the biggest, the biggest name that your average probably member of the public might possibly know. Um, and maybe it's yeah, maybe it's just us movie nerds getting excited about it. Um, but I, I mean, and I hope that's not the case. I hope it does really well. I mean, I think there is a case to say Aquafina might be the thing that brings in. Most oh of the no, yeah, no, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah, um, and, and Tim Roth to some degree. Uh, he's not really advertised as being in this, but he's certainly... Well, he's yeah. not he's even not in the, the trailer, front. is he? Yeah. Well, well uh, he's, yeah, he's in the trailer. He's oh, just man. not Tim Roth. Right. Uh, oh, I didn't even realise Tim Roth was... Oh, it's Abomination coming yeah. back. Oh, I need to pay attention. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Benedict Wong uh, and Ben Kingsley yep. also making appearances. But, like, they're not really shown. Uh, no, and, I, yeah, I'm talking main, main cast. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think you're right. This isn't going to make money in America, but I'm certainly going to contribute to it. I'm going to be there opening weekend as well. And Absolutely. To, like the, the feeling I got for this trailer almost made me think like maybe discount night, but like MCU movie, new MCU movie shoe in for me to at least be like, yeah, I'm going soon. 
Yeah. Uh, but there's, but the trailer kind of didn't do much for me. But there's one wild card. But I'll let uh, that like really pushes it up for me. And but I'll let uh, Chris kind of give his initial thoughts first. Yeah, this is day one for me as well. Um, mostly because and this is what I did with Black Widow as well. Um, since I think yeah, Endgame I saw opening night as well as a double feature with Infinity War. Um, and I just decided that I was going to do day one for Marvel movies just to avoid that one major connective tissue spoiler for the entire rest of yeah. the thing. Like, I am not going to, like, oh, I'll wait till the weekend and then have the early reports come out and everyone already knows what the big thing is that, that's revealed. And, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. So even though, yeah, Shang-Chi probably ranks, like, third of the three that are still coming this year from Marvel for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am still very much excited to see this. Um, I don't know. It, like, the cynic in me wants to say, oh, they saw how well Black Panther did, so they immediately shifted for, like, an Asian audience. What if, what if we can do the same for the Asian audience that we did for, like, the African audience? Um, but, yeah, it does look like it might be, like, technically a little bit more proficient than most of the action that they've done so far. I'm really not a fan of, like, Winter Soldier Civil War-style action um, yeah, looks... considering it's an action franchise, they don't seem to do action extremely well. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, this looks like it might be like handled with some sort of like technical skill that has been mm. missing for me from the MCU so far. That really draws me to it. I do feel like this is going to be a very generic sort of like format in terms of like the plot and mm. the story of the film. But yeah, if if it's if it's like spectacular enough and if it's well shot, then I won't care about that. Here's here's the wild card that makes me really bump it up into opening weekend, and it's the director. Uh, this is uh, directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton, uh, who is a name that probably most people don't know, but he uh, directed Just Mercy, the Michael B. Jordan lawyer um, drama, uh, racial drama that came out two years ago. Um, that's a really incredible movie, uh, and he also like got his start by directing Short Term Twelve, which is one of my favorite underseen movies. The best Lakeith Stanfield performance. Uh, he gets a great performance out of Brie Larson, which like, you know, um, she's, she's, she's good. That was probably the wrong way to say that. Cause like she is in a room. <laughs> he but... <laughs> manages to get a good performance. That's yeah, that's, that's the wrong like way. She, like she's, in, but like, she's not good in Captain Marvel. Um, but, uh, I think the characters we... can do it. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that character's just weakly written. I don't think that's her fault at all. No. Right. Yeah. And she's kind of meant to be a little bit more robotic in that movie, but. Because yeah. uh, anyway, so Brie Larson's got an incredible for- performance there, um, as well as uh, uh, Rami Malek has a really great performance in that. I mean, like really incredible film, um, Short Term Twelve. Highly recommend that. Like, so he's that wild card that really makes me like. I've loved both of the movies he's come out with. Uh, this this would be you know to to the level of like if after La La Land they announced Damien Chazelle got a um got a marvel movie and i'd be like yep i'm here like this is that one thing that it's only a matter of time though isn't it it's gotta happen it is right it is um and uh because everybody does you know even spielberg made some bad movies which we'll talk about later but um (laughs) um (laughs) i want damien giselle to make a jubilee movie that would be interesting i had a, a I made a like fantasy cast, a bunch of like Disney animated movies, movies as live action, and I said I wanted Damien Chazelle to do the Great Mouse Detective. Nice. <laughs> I think that would be great. Awesome. Um, yeah. So um, I don't like. I'm trying to stay away from as much stuff as possible. Like it infuriated me this last week how when that like 144p Spider-Man trailer came out, and like I had to stay off Twitter until they released an official one because 
even people that I follow that shut up about it weren't shutting up about it. Like, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's the worst. People are the worst, <laughs> really. And like, it's like I'm. Tr- I do my best to avoid, especially for movies I'm really excited about, like this one. To avoid, I, I watch the trailer once when it comes out, and then essentially, if I'm in theaters and it's playing, that's fine. Yeah, um, you're not like, gonna I'm pull not it gonna... apart and analyze every frame of it. Right, and because I used to do that with with new rock stars pulling apart all that stuff up until like Endgame, and it just like kept on getting like disappointed because I knew where the stories were going because they're really good at pulling apart trailers, or I would get disappointed because they would have this really cool theory that wouldn't come true, and it'd be like, right, yeah, well. and it's actually better than what we got. I mean, <laughs> t- that was the case for Batman versus Superman for me because they were saying that what if Ben Affleck is playing Deathstroke. And at the end of the movie, Christian Bale comes back, and you know, because there is oh, a comic wow. line where there is a comic line where Slade Wilson takes over the Batman mantle for a hot second. And I was like, that would be incredible. So, that would have been immense. Yeah. yeah, and then instead we got Batman versus Superman. Um, so like, I don't have much more to say. I mean, I like the cast. Um, I don't really, I don't know where Aquafina came from. She was just kind of in the Jumanji movie, and it was like she was this big star. By then, I was like, who are you? She was like. YouTube, right? She had a YouTube channel that really exploded and got her big. I remember seeing her for the first time in The Farewell. That was really good. Um, She was generally great in that. Um, Yeah, yeah, and then Jumanji, but I think she started as, like, a YouTube comedian. Well, and now she has her own, like, Hulu show, where it's, like, Aquafina like, does something or whatever like that. And it's, like, like, how how is she already so name-brand recognition that she can walk around, like, with aquafina and people like will watch it anyway it was just crazy to me um pop culture so. man i think yep. uh, we're just social too old. media i think is <laughs> yeah. the answer i'm 26 i hope i'm not too old <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't feel like it yeah yeah i've stopped trying to even like keep track of who's big and who's not yeah uh, i am excited I for the like... return of abomination because i i was just about yes. to say that i'm excited for some of the callbacks um so i think but so Ben Kingsley and the Mandarin really wound me up in Iron Man 3 because <laughs> oh that the trailer was so so cool. What? It's my favorite part of the movie. Oh, sorry. Right. No, I'm not sorry. You're I, wrong. I really, <laughs> I really like Iron Man 3. I thought it I thought it was bold and I think oh. Iron Man 3 is the best Iron Man movie and I Oh, you get get him off the show. Quick. No, that's fine. We respect all opinions. It's fine. Um yeah, no, it was the, okay, so... You are not on an I'm, island, you're just on an island today. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> I mm, I get why they did it, I totally understand. You cannot present the Mandarin as is presented in the Iron Man comics without immediately and rightfully being cancelled. Um, it came from a different period of time, a different context entirely. Then just don't use him at all. Uh, I just I really didn't like what they, especially the way they pitched it in the trailer. The, the using Ben Kingsley's "You won't see me coming." That trailer did it for me, and I was like, "Okay, this is the Mandarin. I'm sure they're going to be respectful and they're going to change it, and it's going to be evil." But no, we we got we got discount <laughs> discount Mandarin. Yeah, we got an actor. It did, and I love Ben Kingsley. I think he's great. He was great as the the hood in the Thunderbirds film. He was the best part of that film mm. by a by a long, long way. Um, but yeah, interested to see what they're going to do with him and bringing back Abomination is it's it's almost like an acceptance of the Incredible Hulk 
Because there's still, I know there's still people out there that are like, well, the Incredible Hulk isn't in the MCU. That's not canon. But just well, because it was wrong. Yeah, those people are absolutely wrong. Because um, yeah, where, where do they think General Roscoe comes from? Exactly. Like, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good idea to bring him back in. And I, I liked, I love, I love Incredible Hulk. I think it's brilliant. I like Incredible Hulk certainly a lot more than most people do. Um, and I, I think. Uh, I'm excited for this uh, because I, I also don't feel like they're just going for a retcon, you know, like much of like Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. feels like, because there's a Marvel one-shot release, All Hail to the King, that came out, I think, on the Thor 2 Blu-ray, um, where it actually has Ben Kingsley, like, being the actual Mandar- Mandarin. So, like, essentially his arc in Iron Man 3 was a ruse, which feels not quite like the Mandarin, but, like, Definitely like a take on what this all powerful yeah. being could be. So like it doesn't it feel like they're gonna try to doppelruse. Yeah, what was it that he was actually the Mandarin, or was it that like somebody told him like that the real Mandarin wasn't happy about what he was doing? Like it's been a while since I've seen it because it's Yeah, I think there was some sort of allusion to, to like a different Mandarin, like the real Mandarin is angry with you, something then like that. Why not cast that as Ben Kingsley and get some other actor to do the fake Mandarin. Like, use him. Yeah. <sighs> the uh, the other thing is, um, I, I hope that this opens more doors. As soon as they announced like Thaddeus Ross for, for Civil War, I was like, cool. Does that mean we're finally going to get the leader? You know, who was introduced in Incredible Hulk, who has apparently been doing nothing for the last ten years. So, uh, yeah. which you know, hopefully that opens doors for that to happen as well. Um, you know, and it just makes the whole universe feel more connected, as well as just you know at as opposed to just like here's this movie and we didn't make it so <laughs> yeah exactly we're a bit bitter about that right. um, but I I think that your point about Black Panther uh, it's not an it's not an unintelligent thing to do either appealing to the to the Asian market um, no of course not no and um, yeah the 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 optimist in me wants to say okay they they've seen that like uh, people will spend money to go see movies exactly. that don't star white people. And, and I think but, Marvel, Marvel and Disney almost have a responsibility to do that. They're releasing six films a movie. Absolutely, yeah. Is the six films a movie? They're releasing six films a year. Is that it feels like six films a movie, doesn't it? But why not use one of those to bring in a more diverse cast and a, and a cast that's led by people that aren't usually represented on screen? That's yeah. that's how you make sure the brand lives on and you do the right thing. Well, and look, I know most people are like, oh, I just want more Guardians of the Galaxy, or I just want more Avengers. No, you don't. Like, it's like, you think you do, but you don't. <laughs> I want more Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, we, we only had two of those, so like, uh, you know, maybe that's a different... But like, people are just like, just give me more Iron Man, give me more Captain America. It's like, yeah. sure, I want more Captain America, especially now that Anthony Mackie, you know, taking the mantle. Uh, you know, we get a new characterization, and, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier wasn't great, but I like the arc that that show took him in. Um, and But like... You, people like keep on saying this, but like if you don't have Doctor Strange every now and then, then you don't open up that world, and you just have these same characters that you can only take so far. And if they never die, then you never believe that they're mm-hmm. gonna die. And and all. so like yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Introduce uh, Legend or uh, the Shang Chi every now and then, and, and introduce the Eternals. And now is the perfect time because everybody's still hype about Spider Man. And you know, and then whatever comes after that, probably. Uh, well, I know that like the Marvels is coming in 2022 i think um there's so much coming i don't know it's just like while people are still excited about like oh spider-man's just around the corner like still get them to be like yeah well also here's shang chi and he's gonna be a big part later so um you gotta start forming the new avengers haven't you you've got to start that now yeah um because at the minute we don't know what 
the next phases look like. We don't know what the next Avengers film looks like. We don't really know what the next big Thanos is, do we? To be well, entirely, or do we? Uh, well, kind of? it's, it's probably going to be Kang at this rate, but yeah, we yeah. don't know how long he will last, how long that Yeah, is that going to be on the same scale? I mean, or yeah. Galactus. Could be Galactus if they really, if they sort of change it up and say that he's one of the Celestials, they could do that. Mm. Oh, Fantastic Four is the other one, obviously. Right, now that they have Fox, you know, they they have plenty of, you know, they put Taskmaster in Black Widow. So, like, there's opportunities for Doctor Doom now and, you know, Mm. any of the other, yeah, Kang the Conqueror, Kraven the Hunter. I mean, it wouldn't be like a massive, you know, multi-arc. I mean, they, they did wait with Thanos for, like, everyone acts like, oh, they built up to Thanos for 10 years. They didn't really. So no, it was really from which one was Age it? Voltron, was it? Uh, at the end, where he said he'd do it himself. So that's really the moment where he started to get into things. Yeah, yeah I mean, he appears at the doing things, but he is in the first yeah. Avengers. Um, yeah, but just appears just as a cameo, basically, and then his yeah. face is in Guardians, I think. Mm, no, he like has he's a, role a projection in on on the wall when he's no, talking he's in, to Roman. He's in the first Guardians film. Yeah. I think, yeah, he is a projection, but he's a bigger role. Yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe where it starts. So they did five years of Thanos, technically, yeah. but he's only had like four or five appearances. Right. Yeah. So, be, yeah, if they're smart, be... they can draw something out. And if it's going to be Kang or not, I mean, it'd, it'd be very is... interesting to have a villain that has like fingers in every single plot line that's just binding everything together. I mean, they could do the Mandarin, and now that Tony Stark is dead, like, that's a reason for him to finally emerge. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because his biggest threat is gone. Like, what if what if Shang-Chi sets up the Mandarin as the face for a bad guy? Yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. against that at all. Yeah. The cool. thing I'd really like to see in general is for their villains to last beyond a movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, or, like, at least, you know, like, with Mordo being introduced in Doctor Strange, like, at least don't make him a big bad once, you know? Yeah. Kind of like, uh, you know, like if they would have made Red Skull, like, and I think that was probably the plan. And then Hugo even was like, nah. Yeah, he didn't want to do the makeup. Was it that? I think I think it was that. Yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, so good. I'm yeah, still he was great. Ir- so so good. I'm still irritated that we didn't get more Ironmonger. To be completely honest, I don't see why we had to kill off. Oh, it's going to be hard bringing back Jeff Bridges, but I don't see why we had to. To kill him off at the end of Iron Man, I think that wasn't was... wasn't he upset by that? He wanted to do it again. I think he I mean, said it a while back. He said it based would, on the performance. Yeah, yeah. Tony Stark built that in a cave. Scraps like he acted the what's-its out of that part. He, he was yeah. loving it. And then at the same time, like they get rid of him at the end of Iron Man one, and then you, we don't see Justin Hammer again ever. And then in the third one, when they need a third rival company, they bring in Guy Pierce. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, they're not being very like consistent with. Yeah, considering how much of an arc the universe takes, their yeah. internal trilogies tend not to. Right, <laughs> like <laughs> Thor, Thor, and then the Dark World may as well be entirely separate, and then yeah. hard left turn into um, uh, Ragnarok, which is the right choice. But those are three entirely almost franchise-bendingly different movies. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So we'll all be seeing Shang Chi this weekend. Uh, we'll be able to talk about it then, and uh, that'll be. Uh, any last thoughts? Are we good to start talking about the nostalgia picks? No, I think that's it. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm good. Let's do it. Um, Ian, I've picked on you a little bit more today. Do you want to start talking about Hooker or Mouse Hunt? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> um, 
let's do Mouse Hunt. Let's do Mouse Hunt first. Let's do it. All right, Mouse Hunt. This is a 1997 movie. In the States, you can find the streaming on HBO Max. Um, Let's see. Two Stumblebum inheritors are determined to rid their antique house of a mouse who is equally determined to stay where he is. Um, Did you say Stumblebum? That's what IMDb says. Stumblebum. (laughs) That's my new like third favorite word. So <laughs> that's great. Look at this stumble bum. Who does he think he is? <laughs> I am going to send this to someone. That's amazing. Um. So, uh, Ian, since you picked Mouse Hunt, uh, tell us a little about your history with the movie. Like, do you like? Do you, have you seen it a lot as a kid? Like once a while ago. Like when? When is the last time you seen Mouse Hunt? So once before yesterday. Once uh, when I was extremely young. I'm gonna say, like. Well, it came out in 97, so I think I probably saw it on home video the year after, so I would have been eight or nine. Um, I was a fan of Lee Evans, because Lee Evans has got a big, big stand-up career. Um, I don't know if he really made it to America at all, but in the the Uh, UK... No, no, in in the UK, he's got a massive stand-up career, very physical actor that sweats a lot. Um, He's just hilarious. I mean, he's not hilarious in this film, but his stand-up is brilliant. But for some reason, like the the whimsical nature of this film really caught eight year old Ian's imagination. I mean, not enough to ever see it again in the following uh, twenty three years, but um, it, it, enough that I remembered the movie. But I remember it very differently. Like this, I painted an entirely different film in my head. Like this is not the movie I saw when I was eight. I'm sure of it. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, I saw this movie. It must have been like 10 to 15 times when I was young. I had it on VHS. And the thing about that is, I think I had, because I tried to look for it uh, this week and I couldn't find it. I think I had the dubbed version with Dutch voices. Oh, no. (laughs) But I do remember seeing the original version at least once in my life. So, yeah. And the thing that they generally did with, with movies is they didn't generally dub films that weren't kids' movies. So I really did have um, a sense that this was a kid's movie. And watching it again yesterday, this is not a kid's movie at all. It can't be, can it? I mean, it it absolutely is, but it really shouldn't be. It shouldn't right. be, is the thing, yeah. Yeah, you, you could have a kid watch this and then strategically distract them, I think. Yeah, to keep them through from the certain at... parts. Yeah. yeah. At PG, like, how did it get a PG rating? Like, there is literal breast-grabbing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I have a pretty similar story with Chris. I've, I've probably seen this ten times as a kid. We have the VHS. Did you also have the Dutch dub version? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's been 15 years since I've seen it. Uh, this was one of those movies that, like, um, it, I'm sure you guys were experiences, experiencing this as I sent you the list of, like, potential options. But when I was looking up, like, Movies that came out in the '90s ish, um, you know, uh, like kids' movies, and this was one of those that like is far down the list, and you're like, "Oh, I totally forgot that movie existed." And I remember watching it ten times as a kid. Absolutely, um, yeah. And it just like kind of shook me and rattled me, you know, rattled me to be like, "Oh, like, what am I supposed to do with this information now? Like, let's talk about <laughs> it on a podcast at some point." So um, this isn't the most respected film of the '90s. What happened? <laughs> I've been living a lie. Well, here's the thing. I was looking up the trivia for this movie, 
uh, while watching it because I was just curious about some of the ways that they made it and some of the stories that would happen. And apparently, like, this was a massive bidding war for this movie. Like, because it was Disney, whoever wound up actually getting it, and um, uh, somebody, uh, I think Fox. And they were, like, actually, like, legitimately, yeah, here we go. Uh, script was initially offered to 20th Century Fox and Disney, and they got in a bidding war. And then late into the bidding war came DreamWorks. And, like, man, like, th- those three companies going for a bidding war in the 90s, like, that's, that's not nothing. No, um, not at all. So, uh, so I, I just forgot this movie existed for a while. and um, That's really interesting, because DreamWorks at this point were just branching into animation. Their first animated film hadn't even come out yet. I don't, and it was Ant, Ants or Bugs Life? No, Bugs Life. One of the two, out. yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ants. Ants, yeah. So it, it's interesting that this was probably their last ditch at live action, or, I don't know, kind of just a big screw you to Disney before they started doing animated films. Yeah. yeah and, uh, wow, um, $38 million budget. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, they obviously spent thirty-seven million of that on mouse traps, but <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like gross worldwide is one hundred two million. So like it, wow, one hundred twenty-two, yeah, yeah would have made money. Yeah, so like, why has nobody remembered this movie in twenty years? Because it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this film is a cross between a uh, an actually pretty decent Tom and Jerry live action film and Home Alone. Yeah, like it, it is somewhere in a very grey, dark space between the two. Um, I don't know. I just think when it's trying to be funny, it isn't, and when it stops trying to be funny, it actually is. Um, there's some bits that this film that is just trying so hard. Uh, Ian, uh, where do you go on the like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? Think it's just okay scale. Um, uh, I it, it's okay. I can't okay. bring myself to say the words. I like it. I can't. It's okay. <laughs> High side of okay. Okay, what about you, Chris? <laughs> I am firmly in the like it on this one, though. But nice. I, I'm, I'm very, very, very willing to say that a lot of that is on account of like the nostalgia sure. and remembering certain scenes um, and just waiting to see how did that play out again. And <laughs> I can, I can forgive some of the things that I forgot about as being. Um, I don't even know the right word for that, but yeah, I can forgive some of the the shocks. But I forgot. Like I should not have seen that one. I was dead. Yeah, yeah. I can forgive Christopher Walken eating mouse droppings. Oh no, that went through. <laughs> so that was one of the things I didn't know if I remembered it correctly because I was like, "Oh, thank God, he only sniffs it." And then he goes for the second one. And I was like, "No, he doesn't. He ate the poo." Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm gonna go low side of okay for this one uh, because I, I think there's so much about this that doesn't work. There is a really good movie in here somewhere. There is a really good like Tom and Jerry or Three Stooges or kind of a mixture of the mm-hmm. both in here, um, and this just isn't it. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with it. Um, I don't know like wh- why it doesn't get there. Um, but uh, I, look, I kind of wasn't. I wasn't really sold on the leads from most of this movie. Um, like, I think that they are both like respectably good in their careers. I just don't know that they were necessarily like good for this movie until the uh, the scene where they you know explode in the chimney and then he walks back in and they're just doing that like hand miming and <laughs> like and it, I thought that I mean, was hilarious. 
That is hilarious, and it is the most Home Alone mo- moment. Uh, it's yeah. almost ripped straight out of Home Alone when yeah. it's like, "Why are you covered in feathers? Well, why are you? Why is your head on fire? Like, yeah, and just that I can't communicate at the minute because everything in my world is broken, and it, it's hilarious, but it's not theirs. They <laughs> 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 stole that from Home Alone. Yeah, like I just, uh, I, I think that was the moment that I finally got like these actors are right for this role. Um, but maybe, yeah, they're not necessarily memorable. You know, they're not yeah. like the, like the, like the wet bandits in, uh, in Home Alone exactly. where you remember them years later and all. Um, I think a big problem is that they have this massive conflict at the beginning. They are, they couldn't be any more different and we don't really get a resolution to that. Like no. they are, they're forced together, but they just suddenly start getting on through this joint effort to kill a mouse. But the the leap from that is the introduction of the mouse is where the movie obviously kicks off, which yeah. takes much much longer than I thought it would. But that doesn't feel like it's enough to bring them to together into this comedy duo that the film wants to present. No, especially because they're still actively trying to kill the mouse in the second to the last scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that is the main problem, yeah. That these people are your main characters, but you are automatically rooting for the mouse. The whole way. The entire (laughs) time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... The mouse is freaking adorable. Yeah. It really is. I wrote down here, um, did this movie just make me think that a mouse is super cute? And it was... uh, it was when he goes into his home with his little Altoids box and a little oh, piece of man. cotton in it. And it was like really cute. And then it gets man, invaded I... with a nail gun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think I had a long day at work because that nearly brought me to tears. That nearly broke me. It's, just, it's crawling along. It goes into its little matchbox and somehow pulls the little the little blanket over itself. It and adorable. that just broke me. Uh, and then the nail gun comes in and I'm like, you, I'm going to turn this film off right now. <laughs> I did find myself wondering because there are there are a couple of sections where you can see that it is really like rudimentary, terrible CG. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the acrobatic are... stuff is yes, yeah, super yeah. super CG. But there's a couple of moments where I'm where I felt myself genuinely wondering, like, is that a real mouse that they've trained to do a trick, or did Absolutely. they use like a tiny little animatronic thing? Like, there's that section with the nail gun when he's like pushed up against and holding onto like four nails or something like that. Yeah. Like, is that a real mouse or did they build something? I wish I knew the answer and I wish I'd researched it because I had exactly the same thought. Like I know some of it is training the mouse with treats, etc. Yeah. Because it's too real to be CGI, especially for 97. But yeah, it's, it, he is, he has the, sorry, we don't know if it's a he or a she. The mouse has the best performance in the movie without yep. a doubt the okay. best performance he should have been cast as Stuart Little like this guy deserves an Oscar the guy or girl deserves an Oscar for what he did they did damn it <laughs> they do refer uh, to the mouse as a he in the film I think yeah but they're wrong as well yeah, <laughs> they, they, yeah there's, they have no way of knowing so they can't catch yeah. the thing how are they going to gender it <laughs> yeah uh, it looks like uh, from what I was reading that most of the stuff they did was as practical as possible um, yeah. Like including the mouse trap scene where they lay them all uh-huh. and then they all, like all that was practical. Um, there was no digital effects. They set eight hundred mouse traps. Um, the poor guy never worked in Hollywood again because he lost every <laughs> finger. Yeah, that set decorator should yeah. have been very well compensated for that job. They actually took, went through eight thousand mouse traps, but it, <laughs> seven thousand two hundred of them. Exploded. Yeah, imagine setting the eight hundredth down and it no. like 
malfunctions or something happens, you can which, get setting up all the Which side note, that was my coolest, my favorite shot in the movie is when they're at the back wall and they start snapping and it like rolls in almost like a wave. I thought that was really it, cool. It's an excellent shot, but my, my cinema sin sin brain just kicked in and went why are you rolling in them stand still yeah. if you just stand still the worst that's going to happen is your ankles get clipped but these guys hit the deck and start rolling around I was like you deserve this yeah, you deserve the entire house the to come down yeah yeah. it's like how did that happen how did your face get on the ground how did that happen if why did you has... open your mouth <laughs> yeah if it's sprung high enough to hit your face that means it's already sprung so you would have had to reopen it put it on your lip <laughs> just it's ridiculous Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, and like you're right, the the mouse, um, the mouse is the character I want to root for the most because not only is there the the elements of like he's adorable, but also he's like really creative. Like some of the like sets that they have him get to, like where he goes through all the mouse traps and then he like climbs a broomstick onto like a kitchen ledge and he's like bobbing and like really creative set design. Uh, yeah. And, it, and it almost felt looks like, like mousetrap the game. Yeah, exactly. And like it felt also also like a like a house that was lived in. Like these are things like which is weird because this house is clearly not lived in. But like there was <laughs> you know fresh flour and things like that that the mouse was like running around. Anyway, uh, at some point, at me. some point, I think the mouse makes a sandwich or something. Yes, <gasps> and it somehow because he's commenting on how like he's only toasted one side of the bread so it doesn't melt yeah. the cheese, and it's like, man, that is that is super intelligent. So, <laughs> at one point, Brad Bird saw this movie and he decided <laughs> to make a movie about a mouse who can cook. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we need to ask him, Brad, if, if you're listening. Um, first, Aaron Dyson wants a word, and second. <laughs> Um, yeah, was this your inspiration for for, the, for that film? Yeah, I'll just I'll just text Brad. We're on a first name basis. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, there's also like rumors, and I totally believe this to be true. Like at least the way the movie is presented, but the mouse is supposed to be the dad incarnate, like because his you know the oh, mouse brings the brothers together, hmm. and he has like um, so it's like widely theorized that the dad is represented by the mouse or possesses the mouse or something i don't know um but like since he brings them together yeah i don't think the film gives us enough to go on to confirm that because the dad's in the painting like the the features of that painting changes throughout the film so but yeah i I don't know it was um it was interesting i read i read that trivia about halfway through the movie and then the second half of that movie it almost felt like oh how did i miss that interesting Um, so i would say i think there's enough there that I would give credibility to. Um, can we I'm talk about Gore that... Verbinski directing this movie? <laughs> I did, did notice that. Yeah. Did that shock you guys too? <laughs> oh yeah, of course it does. Of That's course it does. Yeah. Like how? I'm... Like yeah, and, there, and, there but... is a little bit of the um, like sort of kind of like the same slapsticky vibe that's also present in some of the pirates films, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this is so different. What that did was he do before this. This was his directorial debut. Yeah, no, this was it. Yeah, he'd done which, advertisements and short videos before that. Which that's which that's my. I have two main thoughts on that. Number one, how does this movie fill, fit, fit in with the rest of rest of his career? Because sure, he has some of that witty comedy, especially in the pirates movies, especially in the first one. But like, but it ain't the ring. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't consider it like you know, um, <laughs> uh, like anywhere near this level. And he did the Weatherman, and you mentioned the Ring, and like Rango and the Lone Ranger, and a Cure for Wellness. Like, 
how does this movie fit into his filmography and why, if this movie had a $38 million budget and was in a bidding war, do you give it to this new guy? Like, yeah, I mean, he's just got to he's got to pay the rent. So I can see why he yeah. says yes because this is a oh, yeah, yeah. huge, huge opportunity. Even if it like sell your soul, like I'll make this film if you're going to pay me that that <laughs> like a good chunk of change to do it. But I'm I can't answer the other question of why pick why the studio picked him. That's I have no bizarre. idea. It depends one on if he was the first choice or not. I think yeah, perhaps he wasn't. I mean, it's it maybe one of his advertisements had a slapstick tone to it, or maybe uh, maybe um, maybe his, was he uh, was he uh, was he assistant director on anything before this? That you I don't know, think so not that I know. Uh, it looks like I think he did the famous um, Budweiser adverts, didn't he? Yeah the the croaking the croaking frogs. Um, yep. Apparently, that mm. must have been enough to to, to nab him. Maybe. I mean, unless they were just thinking it's cost effective, so we could spend more money on practical effects or actors, or whatever. Yeah, maybe but they like, just sure. pay him. But like these <laughs> actors couldn't have cost too much, right? Like, I mean, Lee Evans would have done. Would he? Um, yeah, Lee Evans was selling. I mean, I'm, I say that, but he well, was selling out stadiums but immediately. He wasn't a, but he wasn't a box office draw or anything like that. And like stand-up yeah, comedians this, don't typically, yeah. especially yeah, this could have been him trying to break uh, to break into yeah. America. Maybe. I mean, and just like, get yourself a good agent. Like, apparently, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I imagine Christopher Walken made more than either of these two did. I mean, because he had already oh, done probably. Pulp Fiction by the time. He was already a household name. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and weird, that, like, it's weird that he took to the role. Yeah, but respect to the man. He acts out. He absolutely acts the part, like, entirely. Yeah, yeah he was great. Um, I only have three more notes. Um, Catzilla? <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, speaking of bad effects... I was going to say, they ran out of money, didn't they? They yeah. blew it all on the mouse. Yep, but I also <laughs> but I also love how he's named Catzilla, and then when he comes out of the box, and it's like it's just it's his paws, and then they he comes up and they like slow-mo him and add a Godzilla roar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is good. It is good. <laughs> yeah. That poor and then they just terrible. took a grey cat and sort of like ruffled his hair up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I think the movie jumped the shark a bit because we know this is a Tom and Jerry thing, and then you literally turned it into a Tom and Jerry movie for, a, True, for about yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, and then about five minutes at the end again when they send the mouse to Fidel Castro. <laughs> 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 Apparently, um, all you have to do is put four Fidel Castro on a box and send it, and then it'll, it'll find him. Yeah, I'm amazed. <laughs> and, like the FBI, and, and he's stuff for didn't sure try. opening that box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of all the people in the world. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I think the, anyway. the biggest thing that bugged me in the movie was actually Lee Evans' accent. Um, it is not a good American accent. Um, yeah, it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take him seriously because he he has such a distinct his his accent himself is so distinct. I just kept wanting him to. He's so much funnier when he just talks as himself. Um, yeah, that just kept taking me out of the movie. Yeah, I mean, you're really making me like gonna seek out some of his stand up stuff. He's he is frenetic. He you you absolutely need to pick the right moment to watch him because he will he will put you on the edge of your seat. Like it's just like man, breathe, calm down. He just runs everywhere, but he's great. He's brilliant. Yeah. the The only other note I have is just I really hate this ending. Um, I thought it was just terrible because yeah. they they immediately go from the brothers hating each other to liking each other and trying to kill this rat to be like well, let's befriend the rat. And this guy who's so big into being a cook now all of a sudden has a rat and a mouse in the kitchen. And like, I, just, I thought this was this, like, and like, str- 
string cheese, like a ball of cheese. Who who is buying that? Like I Nobody I buy I buy answer. string cheese, you know, small blocks of brick that you can individually string and have as a little snack. Yeah. But who is buying string cheese in a ball that was made at a string factory with a mouse nope. in it? No one. Like no one nobody. <laughs> and they make it to be like it's the next big thing. Like <laughs> it's just it's the ending isn't earned, is it? At all. Not at all. No. There's, like, there's... Especially the um the bit where they divide the piece of string in two while one of them clearly never gave a crap about the string. Yeah. And then it's like some sort of symbolic thing. Oh, now we both have a part of our father with us at all times, but that's yeah. not. Yeah. Why do you? But we're we fighting care? over it or anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. Me. I'm glad the mouse didn't die. That would have been a different yes. review for this movie. But the <laughs> yeah. the ending is so tacked on. When it he is, hits him with that yeah. orange, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't kill it. I guess his job is done. But you can't kill him. Yeah. And then I mean that that's been... maybe where it starts that they're trying to earn something when when they both can't finish the job or something. Mm. Yeah, but too little. Because that's when they decide to send it to Cuba. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, yeah. this man should not be allowed to be anywhere near a kitchen. Like nope. it's how how is he allowed a kitchen again? It's not. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, no. He killed the mayor. <laughs> yes, he quite literally <laughs> he did, yes. murdered a man. <laughs> That was yeah. manslaughter, and like uh, you obviously wasn't deliberate, but you know, yeah. Hmm. At least the movie doesn't make it seem like it was. Maybe no, it, was but it wouldn't be the most. All along. Yeah, it wouldn't be the most. Maybe Castro was behind it. <laughs> <laughs> the box that they put the mouse in was a box that was sent over with cockroaches. <laughs> Absolutely, there's another movie here that we needed to see. <laughs> Very nice. Like, I'm all out. Like I, I think I thought this was a mildly enjoyable time, but not necessarily like this wasn't a movie of like highs and lows. This was a movie of, like lows, and then every now and then like a a minor chuckle. An average. Uh, <laughs> it was it was semi enjoyable. Like I'm not necessarily recommending anybody see this again, especially no. like I feel like this is a movie like no. if you remember enjoying as a child, probably just gotta keep that in your memory. Leave it there. What well, I wish I had. Yeah, I, I am glad that I did watch it again, I think, just to remind myself that, you know, some things you enjoyed as a child are best left there, but I do think that this is probably the best acting performance by an animal. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's gotta be up At there. least for the 90s, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was nice to be reminded of that and not just look at it as a kid going, oh, that's a funny mouse, just that is actually genuinely good. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Cool. Um, I think that's it then. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do Hook. Chris, I'm going to let you start off. Uh, what's your history with Hook? Uh, I think I saw this when I was already a little bit older. I know it's it came out a lot earlier than, than Madison, 91. That's the year I was born. Mm-hmm. So I'm as old as this movie. Um, I think I saw this maybe when I was 13 or something. And I think that maybe some of the magic had already been... Yeah, been lost on me at that time. I do remember enjoying it, but I don't remember if, like, I actually if this was one of those movies I went back to constantly as like a comfort film or something. Sure, Ian, what about you? Um, exactly the same as Mouse Hunt. Watched it once when I was younger. <laughs> entirely forgot about it. Um, remember liking it. Um, so yeah, so I was I was born in nineteen ninety, so I'd have missed this when it first came round, but. In, I remember seeing it when I was very young, so under the age of 10. So I, I probably would have been eight or nine, something when I saw it. Um, 
And yeah, I remember it being the, the strongest thing I remember is that I loved Hook and hated Rufio. Like, <laughs> I could not. Rufio was every bully at school. It was just every every character that I didn't like. Um, so that scene where where Peter's on his well, he's trying to everyone's trying to convince him to be Peter, and Rufio's being a jerk. I hate that part of the film, so I think that's that kind of stuck with me. Yeah, I um, I remember the VHS, but I'm not sure. Like, I'm sure I've been around when it's been on, but if I've seen this movie, it's been before I was able to like actually form memories that are long term. Yeah. Um. So, because I vividly remember like the artwork and and all that, I just don't remember anything about this movie. Uh, but I'm sure I've seen it before. I was born in 95, but I had older siblings. I was the youngest. So, um, yeah, that front cover, that poster is iconic. Like I remember that VHS cover. That is a really, really well put together, um, bit of artwork for sure. So, uh, how do we feel about it now? Uh, we'll go in that same order. Chris, do you like it? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? I think it's just okay. Um, yeah, I don't really have any, like, specific connection to the film, so I, yeah, I'm gonna go with It's Okay on this one. Okay. And Ian? I'm on the high side of liked it. I really enjoyed oh, wow. this Wow! Yeah, wow. This did it for me. Wow, big surprise. I'm on the very <laughs> low side of dislike it. I really did not have a good time oh. watching this movie. Wow, what a spread. Not a good time. Yeah, big spread. Big spread. Um... And I think that makes sense for a film like this. Like yeah. this isn't. I I don't think you can. I don't think you can um, objectively say it's fantastic or objectively say it's terrible because it is insane. It is an unfathom unfathom unfathomably haha fathoms um, odd film. <laughs> there was there was enough that I liked about this movie that I just couldn't say I hated it, uh, but I did not have a good time at all. Uh, okay. Ian, That's we'll go traditional stiff pop rules. You liked it the most, so let's uh, let's let's hear. It. Let you kick us off. Yeah, you know what? The vast majority of it is Dustin Hoffman. Like that is a. Uh, I, I don't care. I'm going to say it. That is a forget all the president's men. It is a career defining performance. Um, <laughs> forget all of that. It's not Dustin Hoffman. You don't you don't know it's him. Absolutely, and that that my friend is acting. Um, just brilliant. Him and Smee. There's some really questionable stuff that happens in this film that needs a massive huge huge flashing trigger warning on it um but for the most part like between them it's extremely well written like some of the jokes are like the, they're dicer jokes they're, they're so grown and moany but they're equally genius um so i love everything that happens there i skip the rufio stuff i don't need that conflict but we already have a villain we have hook i don't need yep somebody that's meant to be on our team also fighting the good guy. It, for me, it takes far, far too long for Peter to get to Pan. Um, yes, but I, that's my I, biggest gripe. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with it. But I also really enjoy Robin Williams in these dark, dark roles. So uh, one hour photo, is that the one where he mm-hmm. plays the super creep? I, I love it. I prefer... Uh, his comedy is second to none, fantastic, but I love seeing his darker roles. And he is an absolute jerk in the first half of this film. He's he's such a bad person, and I love seeing that. <laughs> so I really love dark Robin Williams. I love, you know, it's, it is a dark comedy, but like World World's Greatest Dad, I think, is one of his more underrated films. Um, you know, he's great in uh, like Goodwill Hunting and Dead Poets Society and even yeah. like 
Good Good Morning Vietnam, which is still a comedy, but it has a lot of those dark moments. Yeah. Um, I think he's an excellent actor, um, and I think he's a great cast for this choice, but only when he's Peter Pan. Um, I, I I don't think he is right for the role, and I don't think the script is good for him or for really anybody um, until he becomes Peter Pan. I absolutely get why they cast him. I think he's delightful when he's Peter Pan, but for that first like hour and a half of this movie, he's um not the robin williams that we all know he is okay so this makes a lot of sense because i really don't like him as pan um (laughs) (laughs) so as much as i agree it takes us it takes the film far too long to pan i really enjoy everything when he isn't pan because i kind of i don't know i just kind of this is how i would be like i'm like you absolute children where's the nearest adult can we please just stop being ridiculous? There's no way any of this is real. I demand to see the manager. Um, and I just kind of, I kind of relate to his his frustration of being surrounded by these people that are just, they're not grounded in reality at all. Um, now, obviously, they're right and he's wrong in this case. But um, when we shift over to him being Pan, I, it loses me. And I lose interest because... Hook doesn't stand a chance at that point. Of course he's going to win, and it's poor Tinkerbell gets the rough end of the stick, and yeah, I'll just leave it. (laughs) Apparently um, her uh, Julia Roberts nickname on set was Tinker Hell because she was not fun to work with because her wedding with Kiefer Sutherland was called off, and her role demanded, like, isolation and green screens. Like, she wasn't actually acting. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, understandable. Yeah, she did yeah, not totally. have a good experience. And, um, and the, one of the scenes that really doesn't make sense is when she gets big. Like, yeah. And I can imagine her demanding that. Like, I will leave <laughs> if I do not have one freaking scene with another human being. Yeah, but it's also like, I, what I wrote in, in my notes is Tinkerbell having the hots for Peter, Peter is definitely something I didn't need. Nope, it's wrong. So, totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah. It gives her uh, no agency. She just becomes in love with Peter. That's her character. She doesn't... Yep. Yeah, she's a plot device. She's not a character. Mm-hmm. Chris, you've been. Uh, what, 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 are, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I think that the. I think the swing is just too big from mm. like the the boring adult into like the completely uninhibited man child that he becomes at the end. Um, yeah, just I like I like parts of it still, and I do think that Dustin Hoffman really does give a great performance here. Mm-hmm. But I but I also think that uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like I want to love this film. I really do want to like it, but it's just like I I can barely handle children in an environment where there are adults <laughs> present. Yeah, I totally and just get to, that. to have like an entire environment where they are completely self governed. <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 makes for a situation where there is absolutely no redeeming quality to any child. <laughs> no, you're abs- you're not wrong there at all. And I think it's probably more fair to say I love fifty percent of this film, and I hate the fifty percent that is focused <laughs> on these children. Yeah, which is why I end up on a on a like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this movie just didn't do it for me because it it takes forty five minutes to even get to Neverland. And then it takes you know, a while for you know getting into Neverland until he becomes Peter Pan, and none of that did anything for me. The worst part of this movie is when they're on Earth um, or in reality or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and it just takes way too long. It spends way too much time there. Um, 
And then they get to Neverland, and it still just feels like it takes forever for Peter to become Pan. And, um, I, yeah, I also want to touch... Dustin Hoffman is great in this role, um, like you guys have pointed out. And, like, it really shows, because, again, looking at the trivia, he showed up to set three months early just to get in character. And, like, <laughs> okay. that's my favorite thing. That's <laughs> just hanging around nobody was with, there yet. Yeah. Hanging around with set decorators and, and oh, extras awesome. and all that, you know, shooting the B-roll, and he's just hanging around. And, but um, how much sense does that make? Because then he owns the pirate ship. When all of the other actors turn up, He's already lording it over and like, yep, this is my cabin. This is the poop deck. This is, yeah. He already knows everything, <laughs> doesn't he? Well, he also like really like looked at the script for a while and he rehearsed with uh, with um, Smee, um, with Bob Haskins, because uh, they they would rehearse together. And so I, he didn't come quite as early, I don't think, but they, uh, um, they, they came early and they were rehearsing their scenes. And at one point, according to Hoffman in an interview, in an interview he just realized like, like they both realize at the same time, like, oh, these characters are gay. Like they're for each other. <laughs> Amazing. And so then they they like played it out that way, and then they like told Spielberg, he's like, guys, this is a kids movie. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg, shut up, Spielberg. Like, what's there's nothing well, like, wrong with yeah. that? You could tell Hoffman is invested in this character, and yeah. you know, it's he's he's really into it. Um, I'm surprised that he wound up being more likable to me than than Robin Williams. I mean, it's called Hook for a reason, right? He's he's the good guy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'd i buy that. Yeah, yeah. He's really just trying to rescue a kid that's been neglected. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> um, ooh, surprise, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, third ever performance playing the young Wendy in the flashbacks. Oh, I missed that entirely. Was... Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't even paying attention to that. Well, I was just looking. I was like, is that? Is that Gwen Paltrow? Like, surely she couldn't have been in this movie. Like, surely she had a career by now. And nope, this nope, is her third either. ever performance. Um, so there's that. Apparently, there's also like a lot of cameos because this is 1991 Spielberg. So like the the person that has the beard that gets thrown into the chest with scorpions is Glenn Close. And <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Apparently, according to the okay. trailer, no. Look, I'm just that's trying in, to. That's insane. Um. Hoffman has a cameo in uh, earlier in the film where Peter's on the plane. And he's the captain because he says, "This is your captain." Oh, that's brilliant! That makes oh, sense. I love that. That is perfect. There's that's a, so good. There's a kissing couple who begin to float when some fairy dust lands on them, and that's George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. No, um, it's not. Yeah, it is. That's uh, unreal. <laughs> uh, and uh, John Voight brought James Haven and Angelina Jolie to set one day. They weren't in the movie. All of um, Hoffman's kids got uh um like uh small cameos that um carrie fisher did some un unaccredited rewriting um of course she did carrie fisher was also the original prototype for tinkerbell um well that'd be interesting oh and my favorite piece of trivia is that bob hoskins um was well two things one he bought beer for 300 or more extras after a lengthy complicated scene was cut um, oh, so no. good guy Bob Hoskins. Also, also he would alleviate stress on set by singing various ver- versions of Lionel Richie "Hello," including <laughs> uh, by including the lyrics "Hello, is it Smee you're looking for?" <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's the best thing I've ever heard. That's great. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh man, that's so good. 
<laughs> yeah, so apparently lots of little cameos uh, that were fun. But, like, this is 1991 Spielberg, and with the pull that him and Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman had, like, yeah, that doesn't surprise anybody. No, so, not um, at all. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> Let's see, um, can we talk about how Robin Williams' character is just, like, as the Peter Banning, or Benning, whatever one it is, it's just kind of like every bad dad stereotype from the 90s. Yeah, it's a little right. bit, a touch disappointing and a bit of a cliche, um, but it's still Robin Williams doing it, which which elevates it above, for me, it elevates it above the, the other bad dads that you get. Like, uh, Jim Carrey springs to mind. Every film that he was in, he was a neglecting father, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Let's see. Uh, what about what about the random, really terrible musical number in the middle by the little girl? Did I've that- immediately forgotten it. Okay. Yeah, wait, wait. she's singing on the on the ship, and yes. it's somewhere over the rainbow, essentially. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to like say the performance is bad. I'm just like this. Does, none of this fits, and no, this yeah, movie no. isn't a musical. So, and like, I get having one musical number in some things, but it's like it's not her character to be a singer or anything like that. It's just like, oh, we have a little cute girl, so make her. Let's make her sing a cute little song. But it's like this is already a way too long movie. Oh man, this film does not need to be two hours and twenty minutes long. There is yeah. no need for that at all. Um, yeah. And yet she's she's great. She, she she sings well. But I was really thankful that it wasn't a musical because with a cast of children and a cast of pirates, you almost expect <laughs> this to be very Disney singy. And I was yeah. relieved that it wasn't. I would have hated this movie if it was a musical. Oh, I would have been with sure. you. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I would have completely swung me in the other direction. Imagine love- the. Um- like Rufio and Peter, the insult <laughs> off that being a rap battle. It would have been, wouldn't it? They absolutely it would have been a rap, a rap battle. battle. Yeah. All right, but now I want to see that. So like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, do. I am happy that doesn't exist. However, it is in your head. It's better than what they would have put on film. Yeah, Probably, for sure. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, let's. Oh shoot, mate! I, could... I want to change my. Fa- I don't want to change my fantasy casting for this B plot now. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have you're going to have Lin Manuel Miranda write it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> let's have, let's have Lin Manuel write it. Yeah, yeah. Let's have Eminem play Rufio. That totally works. <laughs> He's got to de-age him. <laughs> yeah, and Lin Manuel can play Hook too because you know. Oh, that could. would work. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Um, um I'm tr- I'm trying to look. This this has to be a John Williams score. Yeah, it has to be. Um, it's no, it's not. It's um whoever did Home Alone. Um, I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we did some research? Um, <laughs> Music by John Williams. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, t- yeah, John Williams. No, and that John. I think John Williams did, did Home Alone too. He did do Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, love it when I was like, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I'm pretty sure he no, also did. Home yeah. I am so so glad that I was both right and wrong. I heard I heard a lot of <laughs> Harry Potter in this score. Like uh, John Williams is really good, you know, unlike Hans Zimmer, of making mm. each of his scores feel unique. Um, but I, I definitely got hints of like, oh yeah, this guy's going to go on and do Harry Potter, and it's going to be great. Yeah, all, all I could hear was unsurprisingly Home Alone for some reason. The, especially anything on the pirate ship that felt very Home Alone. Well, this came out a year after Home Alone, so it could just be that he was still in like the Home yeah, Alone vibe. Bit of bleed over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought the the, mu- the music was really great. It's really the only enjoyable thing about the first hour and a half of this movie for me. Yeah, um, fine. Other than Hoffman's performance. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I got to admit, I got to give the movie a little bit of credit. Peter leaving Neverland so he could be a dad really got me. Um, as somebody who doesn't have a desire to even be a dad. Like, 
I thought it was done really well. Like, I'm, it, this isn't just me like, oh, fatherly instincts or like, I want to be that. It's just like, I thought it was played really well. You have to have a reason for this person wanting to leave. And I, th- I thought that they kind of hit it on the head. I thought was I thought that was really well and a truly special moment. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Because why would you leave Neverland? Like, he's got to have a really, really good reason to leave. And it's quite bold that you spend the entire film convincing him to stay and accept the pan mantle to then immediately give it back. So it's it's a it's a difficult thing to pull off, and yeah, I agree. I think they did it. I think they did it well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, but but it also did leave me thinking: uh, if he was so passionate about wanting to be a dad, then why is he such an actual like terrible dad? <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. Well, but like, yeah. I mean, that's what they're trying to say, though, right? Is that he had to remember what it's like to be a kid in order to be a good father, or something like that? I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, yeah, I think, and also he didn't really have a childhood. Like being in the foster care system, he didn't have the he, he missed out on a big chunk of his childhood. I think that's what they're trying mm. to get at. Yeah, but like, yeah, I I I understand that, but it was just like if he had this such desire, like, but I also just thought like this whole like not remembering Neverland when you're not in it, and not remembering Earth when you get into Neverland. Like this is just like any amnesia plot. Like it's <laughs> yeah. It's trying to put duct tape on a sinking ship and just be like, no, look, there's duct tape. Like, <laughs> Don't just switch your brain off. Just switch your brain off and enjoy Hook. Enjoy, enjoy Dustin Hoffman. Fine. One, one, more, one more note, one more grumpy note then. This movie tries to guilt trip us uh, and Jack because of not liking his dad. But Peter was the worst dad ever. He, he should have rightfully been angry at his dad for missing the baseball games and constantly being on his phone and like, screaming at him when he's trying to be on the phone for a business meeting on vacation like rightfully so he's a terrible dad he's changed obviously since then but no he shouldn't be shamed for thinking he was a bad dad yeah he's still got to earn it as well just because he suddenly decided i'm gonna be a dad he's still got some showing up to do he's still there's a part of me that thinks that he goes back to earth and actually nothing changes right do we want to go darkest timeline here if since since the since you don't really remember neverland stuff when you leave neverland like is is there a sequel or is there is this world actually he's still a terrible father and nothing actually changed yeah correct 100 percent. that's exactly when he goes back he won't remember yeah it's the thing yeah and I don't think there's any way that doesn't have, happen. And he won't have the same feelings because you can't even just say like feelings transcend it because he doesn't remember being. No. He had to. He was in Neverland for how many years? Like, and he didn't remember any of it. Oh, it could have been centuries. Because yeah. well, no, I it's not it that long because he's Wendy carries on growing, doesn't? Oh yeah, doesn't yeah. She? yeah so, but I think it's got to be forty forty years, perhaps. Well, but we don't know how long years. he was in Neverland before Wendy. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. So anyway. The the end. This is a movie that truly ends terribly. That doesn't, you know, it's like it's like in the Dark Knight Rises where it's like actually the nuke exploded close and everybody's gonna die of radiation poisoning, not from the explosion. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, Gotham's it's, gone. It's like one of those. If you ever read those articles that are like ten movies that you think end happy that don't, like this is it. <laughs> this, this is, is it. He's, gonna, really... he's gonna go still be a terrible father. Yeah, this is where I want the Flashpoint movie to revisit Christian Bale's Gotham, and it is just a nuclear wasteland. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we need to address that. You thought the end of Batman versus Superman was controversial. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tr- and then Chernobyl he goes on vacation and, and drags his radiation poisoning all through Italy <laughs> or France or wherever he went to. Yeah, he has a half-life. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, Alfred uh, dies as well because he was <laughs> at the same cafe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, look, I don't have anything else written down. I just like I didn't have a good time watching this movie, um, and that's all what it boils down to. I, I really should have. Um, everything about this was right. You know, casting Robin Williams for this role, casting Steven Spielberg for the directing here, um, John Williams for the score, Dustin Hoffman for everything about this movie was right on paper. It just didn't work. Yeah, no, but you're right. It, everything was right on paper and it does work. Um, so- <laughs> <laughs> Hook. Come on. All of the scenes with Hook is just, oh, it's just so good. Even when he's having his, his little breakdown in his, in his quarters. Mm-hmm. You, you see uh, another more vulnerable side of him that ends in a very questionable manner, but um, just the way Hoffman delivers his lines and the accent he's using—it's he inhabits the role. It's so so good. It's like watching yeah. the Joker. I mean, Heath Ledger play the Joker. It's on that level for me. Okay, I'm, I'm not quite there. <laughs> okay, <but laughs> I'm not quite. I'm, look, I'm not quite there. That's a big step, but. Uh, um... No, he's for sure better than Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> well, yes. But that's but not saying So anything. is a fungal infection. <laughs> uh, anything else to add? Are we good? Are, are, have we said our piece about... I don't about think I'm going to convince you guys to like this film, so no. <laughs> Probably not, no. Uh, anyway, um, so Ian is for sure saying you should go check this movie out. I'm saying... <sighs> like, I, it's weird. I'm probably going to say go ahead. Like, if you have like fond memories of it you probably like i don't remember liking this movie as a kid um i don't remember watching it as a kid so like you know it's if you have fond memories like there are a lot of 10 star reviews this is like a 7.9 on IMDb or 7.6 on imdb or maybe 6 point that's a surprisingly high review seven i think is it is that way around i think but it has like a 20 percent on rotten tomatoes like clearly in like that like I was looking at some of the reviews of the featured ones are 10 out of 10 stars. And they're like, I don't get what you guys, like what movie you guys. So like, I'm, I guess in the minority. Um, and that's, this is what I mean. It's one of those films that you can't objectively say it's good or bad because it is so bonkers. It's just whether it appeals to you on that given day, I think. Well, but it's that weird thing of like, even though I liked mouse trap mouse hunt more, I'm, and I'm not recommending that one. I am saying if you're depending on your context, maybe you should give hook a rewatch. Yeah, I think you've got a better chance of liking Hook than you do Mouse Hunt. Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, if, but- if only if it's for the fact that if if you have if you like Robin Williams but you haven't seen Hook, I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Whereas you can just yeah, Mouse Hunt if it's not already on your radar, you're not going to gain anything. There's no reason it should be. Equally, though, if you're a Julia Roberts completionist, do not watch this film because you'll be sorely disappointed. Yes, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, yeah, so there's Hook. That's our that's our nostalgia picks this week. Uh, for a B plot, we're going to fantasy cast this movie if it was going to be made for a next year release. This is uh, this is really exciting. Uh, since it's the three of us, we're going to go ahead and do the alternate uh, version where each of us are going to go through our characters one by one, not uh, not our whole list one by one. Uh, yeah, and then like at that. the end, we'll all list down our whole our whole fantasy cast, and uh, um, maybe we can collectively decide on one that we think is uh, is the best, um, and maybe not, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll start us off. Uh, my Peter Pan is going to be Andy Samberg because oh nice, oh. that's a good that's pick. Good. Yeah, so, I'm mad. <laughs> I initially had somebody else in here, but I think uh, Samberg is clearly hilarious and a great physical performer. Um, and I do think, especially after Palm Springs, he does have a, um, like a, a serious side to him. 
Um, yeah. That I, I think I think he's going to be one of these people who ten years down the line might not even be doing comedy anymore. Uh, you know, like kind of like Jordan Peele or you know mm-hmm. Jim Carrey's later career or anything. Like I think Andy Samberg is just on par with that. So especially now that Brooklyn Nine Nine is wrapping, I think I, I can see him moving into those more serious roles. That's well, such a good pick. Well, he's still doing like Lonely Island stuff, and like I still want him to do that stuff. But like I do yeah. think. You know, he he has set himself up for whenever he's done with comedy, it's not gonna he's not gonna mm-hmm. not have a career. Um, so, yep, yeah, totally. there's that. Um, who, uh, Chris, why don't you go next? Oh, um, yeah. So I was sort of thinking like, who can do like sort of like dour seriousness, but also have like some sort of exuberance that can just be unleashed at a moment's notice. So I went for Tom Hiddleston. Hmm. <laughs> That's insane. That's bonkers. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really thinking about this in the way that you're not going to be able to cast someone who can do what Robin Williams did, ever. No, so don't even try. Don't even try. Just do yeah, something yeah. different. It's, and I it's think, just like the Will Smith cast as the genie in Aladdin thing. Like You yeah, just don't try yeah. to get new Robin Williams, you get a new take. You do something different, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, that's also probably know. worth noting, is like, this movie shouldn't be remade. It should probably no, just kind of no. be... Yeah. Um, so like, but this is you know fantasy world all that. Um, yeah. Also, um, we did leave the kids off. The, I initially had the kids on there, but that was before I saw the movie, and they're insignificant enough that and yeah. like there's just not a t- all of us would have McKenna Grace as the girl and one of the yes. guys from Stranger Things as one of the so like I just took them off. So also this allows That's us fair. for some flexibility. You know, with Andy Samberg's old enough to have young kids, but you know, yeah. we'll have him. That makes we'll sense. have him just the kids will be younger in my. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. Uh, Ian, who's your Peter Pan? I think I have the perfect answer. John okay. Krasinski. Oh. Doesn't that work? Like, as Peter Pan? Like, he can yeah. definitely do the serious dad thing. And then yeah. he's a little bit too tall and gangly, perhaps. But I'm thinking more John Krasinski from The Office, where he's a bit more whimsical, he's got the floppy hair. Um, sure. He's got acting uh-huh. chops. So, yeah. So, For if sure. when he becomes Peter Pan, he shaves the beard and... Exactly. Yep. Right. Just the beard disappears, um, and I think he can do the miserable, moody Peter Banning part of it. Um, yeah, and then just get super playful. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think that's a great pick. Uh, one that I didn't think of. Um, I, although I've been fantasy casting Krasinski as director more recently, doing things. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still think he's a great actor. I just am more interested in what he does as a director moving forward. No, totally. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So who is going to rival our our uh, Peter Pan's? Um, I'm really excited about my Captain Hook. I think it's great. Um, battling Andy Samberg's Peter Pan, we're going with Daniel Kaluuya as Captain Hook. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Oh, that's great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. And like, I'm going for like a probably like this is going to be a little bit more of like a Pirates of the Caribbean tone, so where it's mm-hmm. like really dark but also playful. Like not how like this movie is very playful even when it's at its darkest. Um, so I'm going more of like a pirate's tone for this. Uh, I love that pick. That's that's a movie um, I actually do want to watch. He's for the most part been cast as our protagonist, and yeah. he's often like a. I mean, except for Get Out, he's often like a menacing protagonist. Like especially in mm-hmm. like Judas and the Black Messiah, or uh, you're playing these like stern, tough characters that like are still trying to do good. I, yeah, I want to see him play Hook. Also, that that scene in the. On the basketball court in Widows. Yeah. It's oh yeah, I forgot about terrifying. <laughs> He's great in Widows. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris, who is rivaling your um, 
gosh, I'm sorry, I forgot your um Cup Smoke. No, uh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, that's right. Yeah. You're blinking for a second. Um I don't know how, how known how much of a known quantity he is in America, but I and this is not to rival like Dustin Hoffman's performance in any way. This is just yeah, in in terms of like the the, the broad sort of flamboyant comedy of it all, I wrote down Steve Coogan. Oh, that's Ooh. good. That is yeah. good. He's he's got a really popular I think that could work. in uh, in America. So that would yeah. He, he's, he's I think he's most well known for Alan Partridge, of course. I don't know what he's like really popular for in America. Around the world in eighty days, maybe. Like he he was Hades in the Percy Jackson thing. He's in the other guys. That's my big yeah. I love the other guys. Yeah, uh, I think he's one of those people that like peop- you see a lot in supporting roles, but you maybe can't necessarily put in face to. It's yeah, like a probably. common audience. But I think he's he's genuinely good. Um, yeah, a couple months ago, I went through all of the uh, the trip movies with him and Rob Ryden. They and are fantastic. They're phenomenal. So good. I'm have to check in fact, out. that's a better entry into Steve Coogan as, as an American than Alan Partridge would be. Yes, yeah. much better. I've yeah. The way I would describe the trip movies is like the the before trilogy, but for like male friendship. <laughs> okay. I thought that was going to go, so I was just prepared to laugh. You were like, the before trilogy, but I thought you were going to say, like, the before trilogy, but with Harold and Kumar. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's... You might be right. It might be, yeah, because, like, the leads are both comedians, but it gets very serious at times, and... Okay. Like, they'll, be si- yeah. they'll be sitting having dinner together and, like, comparing impressions of famous people, and then in the next scene, it'll dive into how depressed one of them is that yeah. their career is falling apart. And so, yeah, it's so kind of like a funnier sideways. Maybe, yeah. Okay, I mean sideways. I would, are I would kind of a comedy, but yeah, I would heartily recommend all four of those movies. Yeah, it's cool. great, really great. All right, Ian, who is rivaling your John Krasinski? I, I think I've got the right answer. Um, it's Tom Hardy. <laughs> Come on, it's it's like just keep his. But I want him to do the Welsh accent from Locke. Okay, that, that's, oh. what I, that's what I want him to do. Peter Pan, <laughs> I'm going to kill you and your little Tinkerbell. <laughs> but I think yeah, it's great. I think you so can obviously want, like, do a crazy bad guy. Tom Hardy, yeah? Yeah, uh, okay. bonkers Tom Hardy. This is Bane Not like cool, mixed with Locke. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. yeah, this is Bane mixed with Locke. And I'm definitely going with a darker a darker hook. Um, and yeah, he's just going to be, he's going to have the determination of Bane, um, but the, the quirky Englishness of Locke. Um, and maybe uh, a bit of um, oh from legend the oh, I've forgotten what the brothers are called uh, uh, the Cray brothers the Cray brothers thank you yeah so a bit of bit of that in there as well um, but I, I, like I, I will s- cast Tom Hardy in everything I'd like to see a little bit of his Bronson in there yes yeah we'll just yeah. get at least the mustache yeah yeah for sure <laughs> good very good very good uh, I would be surprised if I was the only person that put put this uh, I have Margot Robbie for Tinkerbell. That's the go-to, isn't it? That's got to be it. That's a good um, casting. I, I I originally had Amy Adams, um, but I just mm. thought, like, I, I think she'd be terrific, too. Um, mm-hmm. I was so thinking many, of Amy Adams as well. There's, like, so many I, people yeah. I think you could put in here, but yeah. just, I went with Margot Robbie just because. Um, not necessarily. I, I think I think any of these actresses, you know, Amy Adams, um, Margot Robbie, Anne Hathaway, any anybody, like, kind of in the, that realm of, like, would be Liv terrific. Tyler. Yeah. I don't like Liv Tyler, but <laughs> um, 
I think she's a true, oh, incredible Hulk. She's by yeah, that's not her fault either, though. Get out the pair of you. Anyway, uh, anyway but like, yeah, like uh, Uma Thurman, Liv Tyler, you know, anybody kind of in that, you know, would be fine. Um, but you know, this is a fantasy cast, and I need a box office draw, so we're gonna have every everybody be a box office. Draw. Nice. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Tinkerbell is uh, Margot Robbie. Chris, who you got? Yeah, I'm, I went. I went a little bit more quirky, and that'll all come together when uh, my writer director um, comes around. But I went for Anna Kendrick. Oh, that makes nice. a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's right in that category as well. And mm-hmm. One of my favorite Absolutely. people in Hollywood. If, if you need someone with some bubbly energy who can be very energetic and quirky, then that's yeah, that's the first name you probably think of. Yeah, for sure. Maybe I'm just on a Margot Robbie high because of the Suicide Squad, but. <laughs> I just watched uh, The Wolf of Wall Street for the first time the other day, so I oh. am all about... I love that film. That is such a good film. Yeah. Ugh. What do you got, Ian? Um, I have got Kristen Ritter. Oh! So this Ooh. is Jessica Jones. Um, yeah. Very good choice. Very deliberately a get-your-act-together-Peter-Pan. This is going to be a Tinkerbell with attitude that isn't in love with Peter is sick of his nonsense and his shenanigans and just gives him a kick up the butt and can go toe-to-toe with Captain Hook as well. Mm, yeah. I love me I, just, I, I love all of her attitude in that tiny little person. I, I, I imagine her <laughs> playing it as if she was five foot ten and like never acknowledges the fact that she's tiny. It's like, what? You say, I'm small? Nah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't she have something coming out on Netflix like next week or something? I hope so. She's the best. I want her in more stuff. I I know I saw something coming. There's a lot of people theorizing that Matt Murdock was in that No Way Home trailer, and yeah, Charlie Cox. Like I I do hope that, but just as much as I hope as I want Charlie Cox coming back, I want more Jessica Ritter, Jessica Jones stuff. Yeah, Kristen Ritter, Jessica Jones stuff. September fifteenth. It's a film called Night Books. It's a family mystery. Yeah, she's great. Most she's uh, my Smee. Uh, this is a role that this is the reason we do a fantasy cast is because I don't think this person would actually take this role because it's maybe a little bit too small. Um, but I want John Hamm as Smee. <laughs> uh, I originally had him as my Peter Pan because he's one of those really interesting careers where he got his name on the map from Mad Men for knowing you know being Don Draper, this big bolsterous serious guy, and then he does things like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where he's like. That whole other end of the spectrum, and I just I love John Hamm. I think he he uh, he typically does one or the other, um, you know, either silly or serious. And I think uh, mm. Smee could be a little bit more of a balanced character with that, especially rivaled with Daniel Kaluuya as Captain Hook. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. All right, Chris. Who is your side hand? Um, yeah, sort of, sort of like a very, very generally very serious actor who I know can do comedy, and yeah, and also because I know Bob Bob Hoskins mostly as also that like a serious mm-hmm. actor who can do silly. I went for Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining Jason Statham and Steve Coogan <laughs> together. <laughs> Absolutely, who who would not want to see that? Oh man, that's so good. That's that's, that's so so good. I love it. Yeah, you you just replace one English tough guy with another English tough guy. Oh, I love how great. we both kind of cast against short stocky people because like the easy yeah. answer for this one is whoever plays the like the the first hand in Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't I don't remember his name right now, but yeah, 
or Danny uh, yeah. DeVito or some basically or the same DeVito, as Bob yeah. Hoskins. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I, lo- I love how we both went with like <laughs> you know t- taller buffer people. <laughs> I don't even know that Jason Statham is really all that tall, but no, 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 I don't think he is. He seems like it, doesn't he? Yeah, he seems like it. Yeah, but it was just, yeah, just having him play second in command to Steve Coogan while he could oh. clearly, like, beat him up whenever he wanted. Yes, that's amazing. Very nice. Ian, what do you got? Well, by that logic, I should have picked The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been incredible. You mean you didn't, you didn't cast The Rock for Wendy? Um. <laughs> um, well, easily Moira, isn't it? Um, so well, this is the one I'm probably least confident with because I just I couldn't quite get there. But it's Zach Galifianakis. Um, mm. That's an easy, safe option. He can easily do this role as ridiculously as um, Bob Hoskins does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a not a big leap to think that he could genuinely be cast as me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Wendy. Um, this is the one I had the most trouble with because I so badly wanted to put Carrie Fisher, but we just can't. Um, no, because, that's fair. Because, uh, one, I am not doing any digital recreations in my fantasy casts. No. Um, so, but I just so so desperately wanted to cast her. Um, so I, I had trouble finding like the right person. I went with, uh, we'd have to like make up her a bit, but Maggie Smith was only like 52 in this movie. They had to make her up 40 years so, like, it's not a stretch. Um, I'm going with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, oh, nice. I like that. I was mostly going off of, like, she has been, you know, Halloween is probably her, her is definitely her most known thing. Um, Knives Out recently. Um, I, I think she has earned the status of can play sweet old woman. She has earned a career that she could do whatever she wants. Um, and, you know, she's uh, incredible. Yeah, totally agree. That's a, that's a great Absolutely. Pick. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, this was easy. Helen Mirren. Yeah. I mean, that was the, like, easy. I just, she, yeah. she would crush it. She'd be so good. Yeah, I did not have to think about this whatsoever. Just going off of, like, what that character had to be. And just, yeah. And yeah. It, as you said, sweet old woman who, mm-hmm. besides Helen Mirren, can do absolutely anything. So, well, yeah, rumor has it she was actually playing uh, Maggie Smith. Um, in, <laughs> in the original. It's entirely <laughs> possible, yes. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Ian, who do you got for Wendy? So, I also had Helen Mirren, but nice. I had a backup, because I guess that one of you two would have that. So, Glenn Close, actually. Before I realised she Ooh. was in this film, uh, Glenn Close <laughs> was my was my backup as um, as Wendy. Yeah, yeah same thing. She's earned the status to do whatever she wants. Yeah, yeah. and you'd have to make her up a bit, but I, I think that works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or, yeah, Wendy doesn't quite need to be however old she is. She doesn't die in, the, in Hook, so, like... No, correct. There's, yeah. She could be 60, and, you know... Especially if we've, we've all gone for, like, younger. I mean, the, all of our Peter Pans are early 30s, so, like, Wendy doesn't have to be 90. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Uh, for Myra, for the wife, um, I, I, again, I put this in here not knowing how little of a role the actress actually, or the character actually has in Hook. Mm. Um, I would like to give her something more to do in this. Um, and I went based off of uh, chemistry. Uh, going back to Palm Springs, I'm casting Kristen Milioti. Nice. Um, that makes yeah. sense. They, I mean, they, they, work, they worked really well together in, um, in Peter Pan. This isn't like a huge role. Um, and I think she's a really terrific you know, um, actress that probably gets crapped on a little bit too much because she played the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Or probably gets overseen because she played the mother and everybody except for me hates that finale. So, mm. 
Yeah, I can see that definitely, especially after Palm Springs. She's phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Cool. What do you got, Chris? Um, yeah, so I yeah, same thought for to have that role be a little bit more expansive and have someone who can actually like hold her own and actually have some agency and maybe some important mm-hmm. um, things to do in the movie. I went with Haley Atwell. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Pick. She'll be underused, but that's good. Yeah, but yeah, as and of course because Peter is Tom Hiddleston, mm-hmm. you know they they will have at least some cursory. Um, experience with each other, maybe. I don't really know how like the shooting schedule for all those Marvel movies would have allowed for that. <laughs> well, this is a fantasy cast, so we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. but like, she, yeah, she's like very. Um, how, how would you call it? Not, not not necessarily posh, but she's very very proper looking. But she also mm-hmm. has that very that veneer of like being able to stand up for herself. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think that would thing. be a, a good combination for sure. I mean. Sylvie jumps to mind, the the, the actor that yeah. plays Sylvie in the Loki. Yeah, series. I didn't want to go with uh, Sofia Di Martino. I thought that yeah. would be a lot of very easy, <laughs> uh, maybe too simple for uh, for a casting like this. Yeah, and I do think hey, that will needs more work because she's yeah. genuinely good. She's great. All right, Ian. Well, I did go very simple, and you both know who my Moira is. Yeah, Emily Blunt. It's got to be. It's got to be, be Emily yeah. Blunt. Um, it's too perfect to not not be her. Um. Posh English, um, yeah, just uh, that just works, doesn't it? I think she has okay chemistry with John Krasinski. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> just about. You know what? Maybe they've got a chance. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like it's one of those couples I really want to be together in real life. You know? Yeah, yeah. one day perhaps. If they can yeah. put finally put their differences aside, there might be a future for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like one day, perhaps ten years ago, that'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, that's a great pick. Um, yeah, and I like how, like, we all, like, also kind of, I mean, if you're giving Emily Blunt the role, you're not giving her the role in this movie. Like, we're also like, we want this character to do more, so. Yeah, totally. Exactly. All right, uh, very important, uh, piece to this movie. Uh, normally I don't include composer, but a movie like this, you need a good composer. Um, I went with Alexandra Desplat. Like, uh, I'm, again, I'm going for, like, a, you know, like a Pirates-ish, um, kind of feel. Uh, I'm thinking, like, Shape of Water type of score. Um, kind of light and whimsical, but also can get really dark and brooding. Um, mm. I think uh, I think he's terrific. No, that's a good shout. That's really really good. Whew. What are you doing, Chris? Um, yeah, so same direction in sort of like the fantasy uh, styling. So someone who's very comfortable in that pocket, though maybe a little bit um, generally more bombastic than I'd like it to be for this movie. But I have Bear McCreary. Oh, nice. I, I recognize that name. What are some of the works? Um, in terms of, oh, I'm not actually sure what, what he's done recently in terms of films, but I know that he did like the theme for Black Sails, the series. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of score for The Walking Dead. Um, most recently, like he had a very successful, uh, soundtrack for the God of War video game. Mm. Um, yeah, he does yeah. a lot of television, I think in general. I wouldn't yeah, be able I, to like just name a movie he's done recently. I think, yeah, I, I think, think he's he just did one of those... some Game of Thrones, didn't he? Did he? I thought I thought that was all. Uh, I it was all yeah, I'm pretty sure that was all him. I might be wrong. And I always, anytime yeah, there's a lot of TV. I always want to, I always want to cast Juwadi, but no. He I'm is sure. genuinely good, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he would fit this movie really well too. That too. Uh, I'm gonna look. But yeah, up. it was honestly mostly for like the Black Sails connection because that was genuinely good music, and it's it's got the pirate theme, so that makes yeah, sense. for sure. Uh, Ian, who you got? I went very safe and went with Danny Elfman. 
Um, so he, he can do that the the whimsical stuff. Um, I think it would it would suit him suit him quite well. Do you have like a like an era you're looking for? You're looking for like the Tim Burton Batman or like uh, uh, yeah, maybe more. Um, what was I thinking? There was a specific film that jumped to mind. Um, more Nightmare could, Before Christmas. Yeah, I could go for a Nightmare Before Christmas vibe. Yeah, more like that, or even Men in Black. Actually, that's probably a better fit. Mm. Um, yeah, some something quite quite whimsical, but quite dramatic as well. When you get to the to the pirates pirate stuff. Um, before we move on, Bear McCreary, uh, yeah, Walking Dead, uh, the um, music for Freaky, Agents of Shield. I think that's probably where I recognize his name. Um, yeah, he did uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, Happy Death Day to you as well. Yes. Uh, Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh, yeah, really impressive resume. It's just one of those names that I always just hear but don't think. Mm. Or hear. Oh, but... he did the music for Colossal. I love that movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. That is the Anne Hathaway kaiju movie. Oh, and, yes. and that is oh, all yeah, I should yeah. say about that because that movie is amazing and you should watch it. Cool. I remember that. That's that was on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix movie. Think. Could be, or it was over here anyway. In any case, if you need a pitch, it is uh, Anne Hathaway seeing uh, on the news that a kaiju is attacking uh, a city in South Korea, I think, and that she notices that that creature is copying her every movement. Yes, that's it. Yes. All right, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> watch that. Yeah. Jason Sudeikis is phenomenal in that movie. Guys, I I, I gotta say, I'm really excited with our. With our fantasy cast so far, these are all movies that like I would be really excited to see. Absolutely. Um, all right, here's here's to me the cream of the crop. Um, I I love my Daniel Kaluuya pick for Captain Hook, but to me the shining star in my Hook fantasy cast is the writer. I have Simon Pegg writing this movie. Oh, that's <laughs> genius! Oh man, no, that works. Now I want to see that. Yes, it works on every level. Um, you oh, know, because he perfect. he's done like he does have a writing credits for Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. I think it's more Edgar Wright, but he does definitely have writing credits mm-hmm. there. Um, but he has writing credits on uh, Paul as well. And uh, Star Trek Beyond was really the one that I wanted to grasp on. Yeah, this. totally agree. He did um, an awesome, especially what he was pulling back from after Into Darkness. That's yeah. such a, And I think he's, was he writing it because somebody pulled out? Um, Didn't he come I in at the 11th so. hour to save the script? Um, Could be, yeah. I'm, I'm not positive, or, if, or I'm not sure if it was just he did it because J.J., wasn't gonna do it because he's gonna do Star Wars instead. Yeah, but, no, um, that's a great, great pick. Star Trek Beyond is my favorite of the Star Trek movies. So um, it's it's not the best, probably. That original JJ is. I haven't seen yeah, a lot the, of the old ones. I know you're a big Trekkie, and sorry, I'll shut up. It's fine. I love. <laughs> I just. I think Star Trek Beyond is like my favorite. Especially, it's it's so watchable. I I'm going for that kind of energy uh, mm. with screenplay. Um, so Simon Pegg. No, I love it. I love Beyond. I think it's great. Uh, who do you got, Chris? Um, my writer's the same as my director, so should I hold off? No, you can do that. It's fine. Okay. So my writer-director is Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah. damn it. That's such a good idea. Yeah. That's yeah, perfect. that's a really excellent pick, for sure. He's, I mean, he can do it all. <laughs> yeah, he can do every movie right. till the end of time. He can <laughs> also play Hook at the same he, time. I, I considered it, but uh-huh. yeah, I, I figured that, that might be just a little bit too much. Like, triple dipping is maybe... Hmm. i do it. But yeah, for, for a movie that is just ostensibly about a, an adult embracing like the inner child and everything that's to do with that, and also yeah. someone who just inherently understands wacky comedy, it, yeah. 
Nice genius. Yeah. No brainer. Yeah, I've used him many times doing these fantasy casts. That's brilliant. I, I, I considered him writing and directing at one point, but... Uh, Ian, who, do you have a auteur, or is it? Do you have separate writer director? Uh, no, separate. Um, I have gone. I've blown the budget. I've gone completely out of left field. This is going to elevate the film. Um, it's going to change the film. It's Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> oh, oh, this because, is amazing. Bear with me. Your your, your man Peter Banning is a lawyer, so we're going to lean a bit more into that, and we're going to take it away from the business stuff. And we're going to have some courtroom stuff. So this is much more liar, liar to begin with, mm. um, mixed with Trial of the Chicago 7. So mm-hmm. he's in some intense cases. But then it's really that the stuff between Hook and Pan is going to be really quick, really witty. Just this script is going to be the reason you go and see this film. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to have Captain Hook taking Peter Pan to court over the loss of his hand? or Absolutely. Or... That is definitely... There is going to be a trial on the ship. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is the trial of Peter Pan. Oh, this is well, going to be amazing. You said that, and I was kind of afraid you were going to say that, because like, he's a shoe-in for writing any of the best projects ever. Um, yes. yes. And like, he is for sure. And like, But also, like, remembering hearing you talk about like the Tom Hardy performance as this Captain Hook, it's like, yeah, I really want to hear Hardy as Hook chewing up some Sorkin. Absolutely. Um, that, is, that is the reason yeah. you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And especially with like, like Kristen Ritter talkback, like you were talking about, yeah. Oh yeah, the snappy this, dialogue. Yeah, this, it would be awesome. This is going to be a wildly different movie, but you know I didn't like it, so like, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. You can't like this any less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, I, I I was a little bit time rushed, um, so for a director, I went with Justin Lin um, because of Star Trek Beyond. Uh, yeah, makes and, sense. Uh, it's. It's not necessarily. If I had to give him more time, I'd have maybe thought somebody somebody different. But like, I don't think it's. A, I'm not trying to say it's a bad pick. Um, he clearly, with the work on the Fast and Furious stuff, um, gets action spectacle and um, can do like exotic settings and things like that. And um, you know, I think he with with a with a cast like I've created, you don't need to give him much direction, um, especially with a script by Simon Pegg. So to me, for this movie, the director's real only job is action set pieces and stylization so choreographer yeah, might be a right. little bit more important um for this role but nevertheless it's not to discount justin Lin. so no uh, i like that pick I'll, I'll watch anything he does to be honest fair yeah uh chris has taika directing this as well uh, so ian who is your director so i think our brains connected at some point because i did exactly the same thing that you did and I went Cornetto trilogy and Edgar Wright is directing mm. this film oh. for me. Just makes sense. I mean, Simon Pegg actually works better, I think, but Edgar Wright is um I he can absolutely nail the the comedy, the action, the wackiness. Um uh, I think I think he's made for a hook Peter Pan film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Just thought imagine. about having Edgar Wright be a part of the screenplay and and directing right. it like Simon Pegg did, but I just I wanted more of that Star Trek feel. I, yeah, I would love yeah, to see that's it. Yeah, that's fair. It's on a ship. It absolutely makes sense. Well, Edgar Wright directing a Sorkin screenplay? <laughs> yeah. Can that's... you imagine? Like, oh that God. is... Man, that needs to happen. That's going to be <laughs> high energy. Yeah. Tom Hardy speaking Sorkin's words directed by Edgar Wright. That is bonkers. In a Welsh accent. In a Welsh accent. <laughs> with a bit of Bronson. 
<laughs> oh yeah, very nice. Very nice. Oh my god, that's but we are initiated, aren't we, Peter? <laughs> Guys, I got to tell you, if I'm if I'm a studio exec, I'm I'm funding all of these films. All three of them. That's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll run down these uh, just for people listening can maybe have a better image. Uh, my Peter Pan is Andy Samberg. My Captain Hook is Daniel Kaluuya. I have Margot Robbie as Tinkerbell. Uh, John Hamm as Smee. Um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Wendy. Uh, Kristen Meliotti as Moira. Uh, Alexandra Desplat is scoring this, and Simon Pegg is writing it with Justin Lin directing. Uh, we'll keep going in the same order, Chris. You just want to run down yours. Yeah, so Peter Pan, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Captain Hook, Steve Coogan, uh, Tinkerbell played by Anna Kendrick, Smee portrayed fabulously by Jason Statham. <laughs> I love it, that's my favourite individual pick. <laughs> uh, Wendy will be played by Helen Mirren, uh, Moira uh, Haley Atwell, uh, composed by Bear McCreary and written and directed by Taika Waititi. What a movie. What a, we should do this for a job. This should be what we do. <laughs> It was as easy as this. I, I don't know why we don't work for a studio. To oh, come on. Forget about budget. Forget about budget. Forget about schedules. Forgive, forget about yep. desire yeah. to be in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if these people want it or not. Yeah. Just, just imagine the look on Jason Statham's face when his agent tells him they want you to place me. I think he's angry this entire <laughs> film at everybody. He's just of course he furious. <laughs> He has no lines. It's just him sulking about the ship. He's like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> well, and imagine walking up to you know, Emily Blunt and being like, hey, you know that one character that really doesn't get anything to do in Hook that has so much potential? <laughs> yeah, yep. we're going to give her some potential. But in her mind, she'd be like, this is going to be on the cutting room floor. I just know it is. Yeah, I'm not actually going to be in this film. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. That's basically just when they're offering the role to John Krasinski and she's in the room and they feel like they have to offer her something. <laughs> she just dropped him off at the meeting and he's yeah. just like, well, Emily's in the car, so should I... Oh, no, we were thinking, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> we were thinking Glenn Close. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, very nice. Ian, you want to run down yours again? <clears throat> So, um, Peter Pan is going to be played by John Krasinski. Uh, Captain Hook will be Tom Hardy. Uh, Tinkerbell will be Kristen Ritter. Smee will be Zach Galifianakis. Uh, Wendy will be played by Helen Mirren slash Glenn Close, depending on scheduling. Um, Moira will be played by Emily Blunt. Uh, composed by Danny Elfman. Written by Aaron Sorkin. And directed by Edgar Wright. <laughs> I think I have a really strong final three. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, like, like I said, I think all of these are really strong. You know, like yeah, I love that, them all. To me, that Kristen Ritter as Tinkerbell is just divine. And, um, I want that. That is inspired casting. I want to see and, it. And, and the Jason Statham way out of left field, super, <laughs> super inspired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna be serious here. I think he can genuinely, legitimately do that. Oh yeah, I think he <laughs> yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, we're going for like a handsome Rob from the Italian job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not a joke. That's he can do that. Yeah, yeah. I for mean, sure. the, the technology is there to do a bit of a Hobbit thing and make him look shorter. <laughs> just do some forced perspective stuff where he's just a really angry, angry four foot tall man. <laughs> make sure that the ship has a trunk that they can transport stuff in. Yes. Oh dear. Love it. Awesome. Well, it's time for the spinoff. Um, <gasps> so the very last thing that we get to do is uh, is to just say we've we've kind of been like 
forced into a box of, or not forced into a box, but they put in a box of like, hey, we're talking about these things. Any Anything in the world of pop culture that you want to just really be like, hey, you really need to check this out. Or hey, like you should definitely stay away from this. Ian, we'll start with you. Uh, I will always say Star Trek. Um, Lower Decks is on at the minute. Um, go and watch you some Star Trek. But I'm not going to use that time for this because I plug that on every single show I do. So I'm going to plug something that doesn't Oh, he's cheating. Me. He's doing two. No, no, no. I, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna plug something that doesn't necessarily deserve to be watched, but it needs to be watched more than it is currently, and it's reminiscence. So yeah, this yeah. only came out last week. It has only made two, I think it was two million dollars in total around the world. Wow. That is a crime. It is by no means a masterpiece. It's not it's it's not the best film you're gonna see this year, but it is worth more than that. It is. I really enjoyed it, and the more that I've thought about this film, the it, it's kind of it's a grower. It's it's really sat with me, and I want to rewatch it. Um, so it has problems with what it wants to be and what even genre it sits in. But Hugh Jackman is fantastic. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is excellent. The story is engaging. Um, it's unique. It swings and mainly hits. Um, and it, it needs to be seen by more people. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I'll be I, seeing it sometime in the next few weeks. Good. It's worth it. It's worth it. I got a. Um, I, I really enjoyed your thoughts on Sip Pop uh, Weekly. Really. Uh, I, yeah, I thought I was. Everybody's kind of middling on this movie, and I was like, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's, I liked it's it. Far I, from I wish perfect, I'd gone higher. Yeah. Um, I think mm. I ended up high side of liked it, or no, I think I was in liked it, but yeah. I'm in high side of liked it now. I'm getting really close to that, to that liked it. Mm. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I went off the fact that we were talking about Shang-Chi earlier, and I'm, I got to thinking about um, like this r- really kung fu infused like Western action. Uh, movies and series, and it made me think of Into the Badlands. Hmm. This was an AMC series that aired a couple of years ago, uh, starring Daniel Wu, who you might have seen in the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this and is just in, um, a... Reminiscence. Oh, oh of course. Hey. Yes. yes. All right. Uh, shout out to Daniel Wu in that case. Uh, yeah, and this is just this is just a great action series. Uh, set in some sort of like post-apocalyptic uh, environment, so you have to deal with that. But it is, yeah, it is very much kung fu inspired. Very, very well shot action sequences. Very well choreographed. Very gory, if I remember it correctly. Uh, and in the later seasons, Nick Frost joins the cast. Uh, Emily Beecham plays a role. Yeah, I had so much fun with this show when it was on, there and is. I do think there's. Only like only like a cult following for it, so mm. I wanted to use the space to sort of like reinforce that. That if you like like if you're going to go see Shen Chi because you're into like kung fu films, also like give this a shot. It should be on Netflix in America. I think it's on Prime here. Cool. I remember hearing about this, um, and I remember hearing good things about it, and then immediately forgot about it until you just <laughs> mentioned it. It's one of those shows that just it dropped yeah. off my radar. It's only like three seasons, and I think it's like 30 episodes total, so it's not a whole lot, but it is very good. Good. Uh, yeah, for mine, I'm doing... Um, uh, I didn't get a chance to see any new movies other than these two uh, for the past several days. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, my favorite uh, card game. I'm going with Munchkin. 
Um, this oh, is, awesome! Oh, I, I haven't Munchkin. played that in so long. Yeah, I'm just a really big fan of Munchkin, and I um, uh, was playing it the other day with some people, and it just like if you're looking for a new card game, it's it's a little bit in that like you know Dungeons and Dragons like setting. Um, simplified, but it's a, yeah, absolutely. But much simplified and way less like. You can sit down and play a game. It'll take you two, three hours, depending on how many people you have. But this isn't like you run a campaign and you meet weekly or monthly for two years or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's it's a relatively uh, you know you can I sit down and play that. it. Two, four hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh yeah it but it's it's cards and so it's you're reading cards and getting um, fight the monsters, loot the room, uh, stab your friends in the back. That's the nice. Love that's it. the tagline. Yeah. So DD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you can find it at pretty much any game store. Uh, it's 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 kind of popular, and I'm sure a lot of people like I know a lot of people play it. But yeah, Munchkin. Well, on that note, that's a wrap. So, quick reminders to Pop Writers Room: we're part of the Studio DNA Network. Uh, you can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media. Avoid searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, and if you want to write for SifPop.com like uh, these guys, then you can uh, send us uh, uh, an email at writersroom at SifPop.com. We'd love to get in contact with you, uh, if you, uh, if you want to do that, or if you want to send us a question for the B plot, uh, but you can also get in contact with me on Twitter or letterboxd at Schweitcastle. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes it really helps out the show. Uh, but that's ways you can connect with me in the show. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Where do you want to send people to, to continue this conversation and, you know, especially about the Jason Statham casting. <laughs> well, I don't really do social media, but you can follow me on Letterboxd, as you should follow every one of our SIFPOP writers on Letterboxd. Um, so you can get to my profile from the SIFPOP HQ page, if you were so inclined. You can just run down all of the writers and click follow on each and every one of them, and True. I will be one of those. True. Look at that. That uh, was an awesome, unprompted plug. I love it. That was so good. And Ian, Seamless. where do you want to send people to to interact with you to find out where you live and all that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you actually give a crap. Also, what's your name? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm most active on Twitter. So you can find me at galactic underscore Dave. Um, and you'll find me hanging out in the CinemaSins um, universe. On Come and shout at me in the YouTube comments for a really terrible take. Um, but yeah, that, that's me. Nice. Well, hey, uh, guys, I've had a lot of fun, you know, despite the the, the almost getting in trouble a couple times <laughs> or actively I getting in trouble. Hair, and I'm not from the Netherlands. <laughs> and your name is not Chris. Nope. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun. Uh, it's been really great. Thank you guys for coming on. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for, thanks for having me. It was really great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it again sometime. You know, uh, we try to get every writer through. So, uh, you know, when the next schedule comes out, be happy to have you guys back on. But uh, but that'll do it. And um, so next week is um, comic book movies with uh, with Joe. We're talking about the uh, Dark Knight Returns Part One and Two. And next month for nostalgia pick, I don't know who's on, but it'll be somebody. So um, <laughs> so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, that'll do it. We'll see you back here next week.